This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, episode 49. I'm Rich Lepore. Kevin Schaefer. And today we are here to talk about the sequel that never should have been. The but sequel nobody ever thought would happen. That was in development for what, like 30 years and then, you know, was talked about as a series in the 90s, I believe, has been um, to the movie that was has now, what, however many versions... Yeah, um, like four or five. Yeah, uh, when you buy the two final definitive cut, definitive ones. But obviously, we're know. talking about the Blade Runner series, yeah. um, and uh, the original came out in 1982, and uh, the year after I was born, as a matter of fact. Um, and it is a seminal film. Right. Um, it is a movie that you really can't talk about film, especially science fiction, without talking about Blade Runner. Um, it is very unique in that it's a slow movie. The pace is slower. Um, it is definitely not like a picture that would have been made maybe today exactly oh, yeah. the way that it is. Um, but if you look at it in context, like you have to look at a lot of things, sure. uh, it's a masterpiece. There's no question of world building, of character development. Genre of, mashup and the way it did combined the detective genre with science fiction in such an innovative way that seems just so commonplace now. But yeah. at that time, it was very revolutionary to create this neo-noir aesthetic um that in a world populated by androids yeah um yeah. was mind-blowing and when and when you look at that movie it's the little touches and it was another thing that was really interesting about it it's very on the what they call cyberpunk side yeah mm-hmm. in that it's not a future that is perfect and pristine and you know peppered with you know beauty and and everything is like a clean streets and beautiful led lights and that tron look it's much more of a lived-in city vibe it's dirty it's filthy it's gross um there are cars that hover but they aren't not like super uh, but it's they're um, not like super spaceships right they're they're kind of like rough ass cars yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. um it's really it's really a sight to behold Um, i remember when i first saw blade runner i don't remember how many years ago Mm -hmm. um but as soon as you hear the 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 audio cues um you realize that you're in for a real experience yeah um it's it's just it's certain sometimes you see something and it's just visionary right you know i mean without blade runner we don't get minority report the matrix Battlestar galactica just all these sci-fi the expanse the oh, fuse yeah. comic and, and on and yeah. on and on yep um so anyway this past weekend uh we saw blade runner 2049 which is um, the sequel mm-hmm. to this original Blade Runner film from 82. Um, now, this is a movie, it's important to say, nobody really wanted. Yeah. Um, when it was first announced, I was extremely skeptical. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. really, yeah. yeah. I mean, almost everybody was sure it was going to be a complete nightmare. Um, mostly because of the fact that there's not really any way, we've now been proven wrong, but really, you would think about it, there's not really a way to do a sequel to that movie. Um, it is what it is. It has a very open-ended ending. It doesn't give a lot of answers, but yet it kind of does. Um, it's much more about style and world building and characters than it is about a plot that has like a dun-dun-dun, to-be-continued right. vibe to it. And because um, of that, when this movie got announced, everyone expected it to be just some flashy reboot and that, you know, yeah. Grant Gosling would just be some... would be 
it would be terrible for fashion of like, course to him and it would just be an insult to the original uh, in fact i have a really good example total recall reboot yes not a horrendous film yeah but, but by comparison i yeah, mean it's yeah. just it, it, it it's it's inessential right is like the the best thing i can say right, about right, it you right. know oh, um and so like you said very just flashy. like the robocop remake I mean, right yeah. exactly loses something these aren't terrible movies we're mentioning but but they lose something significant um by just trying to mimic the original and yeah do it in a lesser way exactly exactly so anyway um but then what happened was all of a sudden about four weeks ago it started coming out Uh that um via social media because now critics i literally this year is the first year i've noticed this yeah the critics now get to give their quote first impressions um a couple weeks before release sure and so when those first impressions came out it was like wait a minute wait a minute because all of a sudden people were like oh my god this is the best sequel of all time this movie is phenomenal it'll blow you away what else did you hear about it oh yeah i mean like i mean one of the things that gave me more hope was when they announced the director who i'm about to look up how to pronounce his name because i don't want to butcher it Denis Villeneuve. um, okay yeah uh, but um obviously the director of arrival and prisoners which is criminally underrated um and so that did give me a lot more hope when I saw his name and the uh, um, helming it, and that Ridley Scott was producing. But um, one thing he asked the critics to do was keep plot details to a very minimum um, and not give away virtually anything, um, which is a tough job to do. I mean, um, writing a review that you want to be both informative um, and reflect your opinion. Well, yeah, once um, yeah, even you're you're, you're jumping yeah. ahead to even once the reviews came out. Right, right, right. right, right. And, and it is true. Right. And the reviews were just ridiculous. They yeah, came yeah. out about a week before yeah. release. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that also what you're talking about extends to the trailer, which I have so much love for this movie. If the yes. movie was a bomb, I would still love the fact that they gave us nothing. Yep. It is the art and, and there what you there is a trade-off. Yeah. When I saw the trailer for Blade Runner 2049, I was like, mm, not really sure how good that looks. It could go right. either way. Really right. not sure. It looks a little, I don't know. It looked a right. little dusty. The scenes that they were showing looked right. a little, not what I wanted Blade Runner to be. But that's because they were damned if they were going to tell us anything about this movie. Yeah. And then when the when the reviews started coming out, the reviews said, this movie, you know nothing. Yeah. From that trailer, you have no idea what it's about. It's actually a twisty mystery, so right. immediately I was game. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then the reviews were, you know, 9.7 on IGN, 9.5s. You know, four and a half, five stars. Just crazy good reviews. So all of us were like, all right, it's time to get there like Friday night yeah. or Thursday for opening. Right. And it's just impressive in this day and age to be able to keep something like that so ground and mystery. Because trailers these days give away everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can get the whole movie in three minutes. Um, but um, the filmmaking team here did a really great job keeping everything under the wraps and um, building up a ton of anticipation for... Um, something we didn't know what to expect, but we're game for. And, um, so that brings us to this. So, um, we are going to be talking about the movie, obviously, and doing a really in-depth discussion. Um, if you've not seen it yet, go see it, then come back Total and listen spoiler to this, cast. because we, there's Total no way we can cast. talk about this without diving into everything. Um, but so we'll be doing that. We'll also start out with, um, some news and trailers, and then we'll also do what we've been watching, because it's Halloween season, and so... Um, I've been, you know, delving into some fun horror and dark fantasy movies, um, some of which I've seen 
before, but it's been fun revisiting. So. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, it's so, gonna be yeah. a good. It's gonna be a good year. I'm yeah. actually looking forward to that Happy Death Day coming out. Is yeah, that out that, or is it coming out this week? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So supposedly this video tells us how to pronounce Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Let's see what he. Let's see if we get that. Let's see what she says. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. In this video. So here's how to pronounce it. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Got it. Got it. Okay, that helps a lot because I have Villeneuve. so much respect for the man, but I have butchered his name many times. I mean, yeah, I think we all kind of knew the Denis part at a yeah. certain point, yeah, but yeah. the Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, it, we really want to say Villeneuve bad because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're Americans yeah. and we love saying things. Of course, yeah. Pronouncing every syllable. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Um, so let's start so off um, talking about so like as you said we're gonna start with what news. With news yeah. So mm -hmm. why don't you uh, kick us cool. off? It's not a huge news week for us. Yeah. Although we have a lot of trailer impressions to discuss. We do. A lot and, of big trailers. Go. And go also ahead. by the time this episode airs, it'll be at, uh, the uh, we're recording right now. The new Star Wars trailer comes uh, it, uh, hits tomorrow, so we won't be talking about it on this episode obviously, but. You can follow me on Although Twitter. Although I saw the old Star Wars trailer yesterday. Oh, nice. <laughs> or on yeah, Friday. Yeah. You know. Yeah, oh, of one, course. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, once again, yeah. I was like, all right. Anyway, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you'll be seeing me geek out on Twitter um, all week, so just cool. follow me there. Um, but so the only news story I wanted to discuss was that um, while Ridley Scott was doing promo interviews for Blade Runner, um, he said talked briefly on a podcast about his plans for the next installment in the Alien franchise. Um, no title or release date set yet, um, but he did say that uh, because of the cliffhanger ending of Alien Covenant, he wants the third movie in this sort of prequel trilogy to really be focused on David, even more so than the previous two, um, and to really focus on the AI elements, less so on the Xenomorphs, which I'm all on, on board for. Um, I know that's going to piss off a lot of fans who um, they had the same complaints about Prometheus. They're like, this isn't an alien movie. I want a Xenomorph, and I want, you know, a horror oh, wow. I like, and I like that. your impression um, of, uh, of uh, douchey internet. People. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, it's yeah, a really yeah. good impression. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not that hard to embody them. No, but you know, I don't know, man. That was, that was pretty spot on. I felt like I was in the room with one of them for a second. It was weird. Surreal <laughs> but, um, experience, man. But, yeah, so that it'll be interesting to see where, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, overall, I enjoyed it on Covenant. And, oh, yeah. Um, I think we, we reviewed it. Yeah, we did. And, and uh, it was it was definitely a good movie. Yeah. Um, there are things that annoyed me about it, but overall, I think I enjoyed it more than I enjoy most of the Alien movies. Sure. So. And so, I you know, I love Michael Fassbender, and I'm more than excited to see his character be even more explored in the next one as as he's become the focal point of this prequel series. Speaking um, of Fastbender, freaking The Snowman is coming out. The, oh, that's this right. That looks good. That is based on a book by um, Yonesbo, who okay. is a Norwegian um, cr crime writer. Ah. And um, it is... The, it's based on the Harry Hole, or in... in if you say it the way it's supposed to be said, it's Harry Hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, they're really good novels. They're very... Unlikely novels, like right. they're not like well, super I mean, gritty. Well, no, no. Killer, but right, right, yeah. exactly. He's got a head of snow. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. man, it looks fun. It does in, look in the fun. tradition yeah. of like a seven or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. But anyway, sidetrack. No, that does look good. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm definitely excited for it to see where it'll go, and because um, you know it that final scene in Alien Covenant ends on such a cliffhanger with him with David as now um, in command of the Covenant ship, the colony ship that and has access to all these um uh, 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 future xenomorphs and um who knows the damage he will wreak right 
Um, um, you know, he's, yeah, funny. it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I get why they went the direction they went yeah. with that ending. Um, it's depressing. I didn't love yeah, it. Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah, love yeah. it. I gotta say, but yeah, yeah. It, it is what he meant to do. Sure. So, sure. so I guess this will be like the final movie in between. I and, think so. And it so. will lead into because I thought like Covenant was the one that led right directly into what Alien. Well, I think that was the original plan, but it, but now he. It's I don't think Ridley Scott ever wants to stop playing with all his old toys, so he's sure. gonna make as many of these as he can. But well, props um, to him for uh, passing the baton to uh, Denis. Yeah, for, oh, I know. for the Blade Runner because right, I don't right. think um, I, I, there's no way to say, but I can't imagine um, that Ridley would have done maybe a better job of Blade Runner. I think so too because it was the perfect culmination. He was producing it, um, yeah. and then Denis brought such a vision that was able to very build new. on everything that Ridley's got it done and um so we'll talk about yeah, that more of course anyway. but um I agree so yeah um but that was not my big story I want to talk about no, and there no. was some tra- oh what? Annihilation yeah oh, trailers, no, trailers. Yeah. okay yeah all right so trailers um that yeah this, so the first one on here is um the next Alex Garland movie Annihilation Alex um, Garland starring... if you know is the director and writer yeah of Ex Machina mm-hmm. yep and he's also um, came out of left field this. and was amazing. Yeah, isn't Ex Machina? Now, was he? I know he was like on set for a bunch of other roles before he became a director. Was he a stunt guy? Was that him, or was that the guy who did? He was primarily a screenwriter. Okay, um, he was a screenwriter guy. He may have done producing and stuff, but yeah, because there too. was somebody who was a stunt guy. I think that was um, uh, John Wick. Yeah, that was the director yeah. used mm-hmm. to be a stunt yep. coordinator. Yep, okay, yep. got it. I'm mixing those up. But now Alex Garland wrote movies like Sunshine and. Um, few others got but, it and then uh, he got his shot at directing yeah and knocked it out of the park i think he didn't he write yeah he wrote 28 days later yeah. okay all right um, well there you go yeah um but yeah so w- the trailer gives very little away it stars natalie portman and it's based on a novel um it's very naturalistic looking in yeah that, mm-hmm. in that um she doesn't have a lot of makeup on yeah mm-hmm. um it's very like 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 gritty and then uh they end up like so what i got gathered from it sure, is they're on this planet or something, and they come in contact with some extraterrestrial force. Um, they're reticent to call it like a being. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sort of like a, uh, in a way, like a rival, where it's kind of like this. Yeah. I know those are beings, but it was kind of like you're in their presence. You feel this connection. There's with like them. this force field around them. Kind yeah, of. and they're yeah, in it, and yeah. it kind of looks like if you've ever like blown bubbles in the summer. Yeah, it kind of looks yeah. like that. Like you're looking through a bubble with that like rainbow sheen. Yeah, it was kind of like that. And the idea is, I think Natalie Portman's husband gets miss goes missing. Yeah, that's, and, yeah, and then like after like sending back some info about having made contact with this consciousness and then she and her team like need answers yep. and like where her husband went yep. and so that's kind of like the driving force of it so it's got an emotional core um so as to be able to illustrate all of these interesting sci-fi world building aspects sure. so it looks like a good a good follow-up oh yeah um i mean you know it, it's based on a, a very famous or, or not excuse me i mean re- rephrase that because it's not famous it's very beloved, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I hadn't heard much about it, so I don't I, think it's like... No, I don't. You know. I'll, I'll probably try to read the book. Oh, yeah, more, yeah. But, um, but I think that's one we'll definitely be on board for. Cause oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ex Machina was I, such a great surprise. I, on, right. And just just such a good movie. Such sure. good oh, yeah. characters, man. Characters. God. And isn't Oscar Isaac in this, too? Like, cause I don't. I didn't notice. Was he? I think he was. Maybe he's like the a, husband? I think so. Because that's possible. It was a brief clip, but I want to say that was him. Well, yeah. Oscar Isaac's character and portrayal and the combo of him and Garland oh, yeah. in Ex Machina is the best thing about that movie, like, oh, by, yeah. by, by, by ten miles. Sure. Um, so. Absolutely. Um, so that one, I believe it's spring of 2018. Um, yes, right. I think so. It may be one of those where, because Ex Machina um, 
it was released abroad first and then took like a month or so to get here um so it, i don't know if it'll play out like that too um but i mean either way we'll be there yeah yeah for um, sure so that one looks good uh, the next one pacific rim uprising heck yeah so pacific rim um for me is yeah. a movie that i never saw and it's one of those things that you can easily write it off as a piece of shit because it looks like Transformers when you see the trailer. It's like there's big robots, yeah. big dumb action. I do not care. And even it even goes so far. There's a butt to this. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it even goes so far as to have like the dorky one-liners. Oh, yeah. And it, and yeah, it yeah. almost looked like we're going to take back Earth. And it even looks it like they're doing... actors. And yeah. That and, yeah. And it even looks like they're doing like the gymnastic fighting yeah. of like Power Rangers right, right. inside those mech suits. Right, So right. it's very easy to write this off. Off, but everybody I talk to, t- there's the butt, like tells me. like you, especially <laughs> Who owns you, it and it's right over there. Next especially to my you, right? <laughs> and and you guys just talk about how phenomenally entertaining it is. It really so it's not is. a great it's film, or but it is or what? It's like one of the best. Like I mean, it is a dumb sci-fi movie, but like it's one of the best, just most fun. That I mean, Del Toro direct, uh, co-wrote and directed the first movie. He's I believe he has producing involvement on the second one, but the second one is directed by um, Stephen DeKnight, who's the showrunner of Daredevil season one, um, and Spartacus. Um, but the first one is just—it's just a big love letter to classic anime, um, big budget sci-fi. Um, definitely has a Power Rangers feel to it as well. Uh, a little bit of a Godzilla vibe. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Um, and and so it's just like a really fun culmination of all those things in the monster movies that um, really influenced Del Toro as a child. That, yes, it is an extremely narrow plot, and it's literally the aliens come from under the water through portals, and um, the humans develop robotic suits to fight them. Okay. And that's pretty much so it. It's you know, straight but, ludicrous. Oh, it right? is, yeah. But it, it's... So what it, is it that differentiates it? What makes it better? Is it just that... Stylistically. It, okay. I mean... You look at, like, Transformers, and it's just, like, um, the explosions and the fight scenes are much less... They have less of a heart to that, less style, less uh, nuance, whereas Pacific Rim is just, like, each moment is really intricate, really fun. You feel that they're behind it all, there's a deft hand? Yeah, absolutely. Deft filmmaking hand? absolutely. Um, right. So, well, I oh, have to see it. There's dumb, no question. It, it's very dumb, and it's meant to be, but it is fun. Yeah. Um, so, well, when I saw those, those like, there's two. The one thing I asked you in the theater was like, I was like, how many people pilot each of them? And apparently, two. like, yeah. it's a duo. I don't. I'm sure they explain why that is. It, to me, it seems ludicrous. Why would you need? It still is, but yeah. I mean, I why? Mean, yeah. I, I get it that it's and that's like, the premise of the first one is that. Charlie Hunnam and his brother were pilots in the uh, at the beginning of it. And there's and a new bro- recruit. His, bro- his brother dies, and then Charlie Hunnam goes into isolation for a while. But then Idris Elba comes in to recruit him. Um, and yeah, and so he gets paired with someone. And um, oh, Idris Elba's in it. That's right. yeah. Oh yeah, he has his most famous speech in that movie. Right? Oh dude! Well, tonight we are canceling the apocalypse. And that's when, yeah. It's so much fun. Oh, that's good. I, I have to check but, that out at some point. Yeah. Um, um, so, in. I mean, Uprising looks like, I mean, pretty much the same thing. Is that like is that a Thursday movie. nighter for you? Maybe. It's, okay. it's fun. Not like Blade Runner. It's John Boyega, too, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's good. He's yeah. good. Uh, I, I like him. He's definitely yeah. an up-and-comer. He's like the next Idris Elba, potentially, yeah. interestingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, British, African-American. Right, well, right. African-British actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So anyway, so, okay, it's cool. Gonna be a lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So, um, what was the one that I was going to talk more about? Okay. Yeah. So, Lara Croft, um, Tomb Raider. Uh, yeah. I think I talked about this a little last time. Did I? Was that on our? Po- no, I think no, no, no. That Maybe was our gaming. gaming it was gaming. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. But uh, in case you didn't check that out, uh, it looks really interesting. And for people that for the uninitiated, if you're listening to this and you're not a big gamer, um, this movie is basically the Tomb Raider reboot video game that I think came out in 2013. Yeah. Um, it is a story of Lara Croft, uh, her father, who in this is played by Dominic West, who I okay. love yeah. from The Affair, yeah, yeah. an appropriate adult, about a thousand other things. Brilliant British actor. I mean, sure. freaking brilliant. Sure. Um, but anyway, he plays um, um, Mr. Croft or Dr. Croft, probably okay, yeah. her father. Yeah. And he comes on some like really important, deadly discovery. Um, and then he dies under okay. mysterious circumstances. And then uh, Lara's like, um, everybody respected my father until he started believing in this crazy supernatural force. And now nobody has any respect for him. This is unacceptable. I am going to find out what you did, father. And of course, there's that little scene where she uncovers a video recording mm. that he left for her. And he's like um, uh, Cookie or whatever his nickname for her is. Um, or Snuggles. or No, that would be weird. Okay. But... Yeah. but um, Something, and then he's just like, "We're gonna cupcake, maybe." He was like, "We're gonna." Uh, uh, I, uh, if you're reading this, I'm probably already dead, and um, I discovered something. Yeah. And then, like this, the trailer flashes to what he, he maybe discovered. Anyway, the idea is this: this big archaeological slash supernatural thing. That's what all the Tomb Raider games are. Sure. It's like for the first two thirds of the game, it's killing the bad guys who are also archaeologists going after the shit Mm -hmm. so that they don't like take the discovery and use it for their own evil ends it's like pretty much every tomb raider game um and the by the end it has like a last act which is supernatural where there's some force that's unearthed that's fucked up and crazy and supernatural Mm -hmm. um it's also what the Uncharted games are. That's why a lot of people right, say the Uncharted yeah. games mm-hmm. kind of rip off the Tomb Raider because sure. it's the same thing. Last well, third I played of the some game. of Uncharted back in the day. You know yeah. then. Yeah. Last third yeah. of the game of Uncharted 1, yeah. it's like weird supernatural shit. Right, right. So anyway, um, I, for, for, I Jordan disagreed with me on this. I um, It's Alicia Vikander is her yeah. name, right? From uh, Ex Machina. Right. Yeah. I um, am going to take some getting used to to like her in this role, not because she's bad or because I don't like her looks or mm. anything like that. She's actually brilliant for this because I remember from Ex Machina, she has a gymnastics background. Okay. She's a dancer. Yeah. Um, or, or ballet or something like that. Very famous ballet dancer before uh-huh. she was an actress. And that's important because Tomb Raider is all about um, this really cool parkour that Lara does. She sure. jumps and she spins around oh, with yeah, her pistols and, and, yeah. and really cool like Matrixy stuff sure. that she does. And she's got the perfect build and the perf- perfect um, agility and, and um, uh, you know, deal for this. However, her looks don't look like um, Laura to me yet. Now, I have a feeling when I start watching the movie about 10 minutes in, I'll just love her. Um, But for right now, she she throws me off a little bit. Short of that, though, the movie looks really great. The other thing that's really cool, so in the game, the reboot, um, when she gets to this island, she's basically stranded there. There's a couple other people that she was traveling with. It looks like there's only one in this game, but in that one, there was like a couple that um, get get marooned on an island with her. Um, and then who's on this island? A sick fuck who basically also wants the supernatural power for themselves. And it is, what's his name? Um, mm-hmm. The dude who um, who plays the bad guy in Justified. 
Um, he's also in uh, The Hateful Eight. He's one of the last people to, to survive oh, in God. Hateful Eight. You know the guy I'm talking about. I'm... Walton Goggins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that guy. Yeah. He plays the bad guy. And it's going to yeah, be yeah. another brilliant Walton Goggins role. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, and it just looks good all around. It's sure. just a really solid-looking movie. The The plot of the Tomb Raider reboot was beloved. Um, people just were like, this is a great com- you know, coming-of-age story. Okay. It's basically the story of how Lara Croft became the Tomb Raider. Okay. Um, and it looks like they're pulling it off. So cool. that's really cool. This has a chance. Yeah. Small chance, but a chance. Yeah. To be one of the first really good video, good video game, game movies. movies. Yeah. So there it is. Did the Angelina Jolie one, was there only one of those? Two. Or Cradle of, of Life, I think. Or maybe even three, but... I've seen, like, clips of the first one, but, like, just on TV and stuff. I mean, I'd watch it yeah, if yeah. it was on. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, I yeah. mean, they weren't terrible. Right, right. I mean, they did... I would say they had a more lasting impact than... Any other video game? Mortal movie. Kombat, Street yeah. Fighter, yeah, whatever. Assassin's Creed, any of those. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh. Did you finally watch it? No, I haven't oh, yeah, seen yeah, it yeah. yet. I yeah. still want to, but I haven't. I like. I almost want to just to see how bad it is. Because after uh, Jordan's review, I just like it, it was hilarious. How, like, interestingly, though, way if you go way back with the gaming podcast, uh, Tim um, was one of our original hosts. In mm-hmm. fact, even before Jordan, it was me and Tim. And he really liked Assassin's Creed. Really? So there yeah. is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Anyway. Cool. Small as it may be. Yeah. Um, but, what else? Um, those are the only trailers I had in mind. Uh, okay. Again, the Star Wars one drops tomorrow, so I'll probably be buying my ticket as soon as it... Because it goes, they go on sale tomorrow, too. Really? So, yeah. Okay. All right. And I bought my ticket the first day Force Awakens went on sale, too, so... Yeah. interesting yeah interesting all right so, cool i hope it's good i really hope it's i mean it's oh, gonna right. be good there's no question but i just yeah. hope it's i hope it's as good as force awakens yeah 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 um, sure. so remains to be seen cool um uh, but interesting um do you expect it to be uh like so force awakens a lot of people said maybe the harshest thing they could say about force awakens was that it was very much uh note for note kind of like the original star wars i think this is going to be different like ryan johnson's really going to shake things up and just based Even on with the Kathleen that, Kennedy and the way that you know they have like a steel fist. Yeah, just because the reason I say that is because Mark Hamill has said that even he had trouble agreeing with all the decisions that Luke makes in the movie and was skeptical, but and had disagree. I mean, he loves wow. Ryan Johnson, but he even he had disagreements at first with some of the decisions. Oh, made. good. So, that tells me that it, there are some radical things coming in this Awesome. Movie. Okay, see, there you yeah. go. Single-handedly, that took yeah. like 10% my, yeah. up, uh, yeah. my, my interest in this movie. Yeah. So. Um, okay, cool. So that's it for news and trailers. So here's um, another exciting thing okay, for us to okay. talk about. No, yeah. no, no. It's, okay. it's, it's our segue cool. um, in, in its own way. Sure. Um, Kevin and I, last weekend, went yep. to see another huge movie in the geek culture sequel. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Another sequel, yeah. true, yeah. true. Another solid sequel, I may say. Um, Kingsman, the yep. Golden Circle. They did. Um, and uh, was that opening weekend or was it the weekend after? It was, it was a week after. Okay, yeah, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about uh, Kingsman. Yeah. And uh, first, let's talk about uh, your thoughts on the first one. Sure. Let's do a little mini review. I enjoyed the first one. Um, it was. It, it's not my favorite Miller World property. Um, I would say, like the Miller World books, I really want made into movies and, or TV shows are. The Jupiter's Legacy Saga mm-hmm. and Superior, um, which based on the Netflix deal um, with, I think you know we're going to get at least. I mean, they they want yeah. something that's oh, yeah. not taken already, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but Kingsman was a lot of fun. It's very. I mean, uh, uh, I kind of talked about this when we were leaving the movie that Matthew Vaughn is a very interesting, like sort of cult filmmaker, modern cult filmmaker, in that um, he knows how to do these insanely zany action movies that. 
um, and he has this devoted fan base. Um, and so, but especially with Kingsman, you're either going to like it or you're going to hate it. It has a different tone. It's because like, it's either going to be polarizing to some audience and some audiences just hated it. Um, saying it was just trash and vile and, um, just too much. If you don't um, get on board, if right, you don't right. jump in, and it's like that with the sequel too. Right. If you don't jump in from the first minute and just say, "Oh, yeah, weird, right. okay, okay, all right, Except I'm in," it. you know, yeah. yeah, then you're out. Right, right. Um, but no, I thought the first one was a really fun take on the spy fi thrillers, mm-hmm. and it was um, like it was like James Bond meets something with a bunch of like gadgets and, yeah, and, I mean, and there, sci-fi elements there were other um action heroes like bond that really inspired mark millar growing up um and so it's just sort of a love letter to all of those um and yeah it's a lot of fun but um on my thoughts on the second one i actually enjoyed the second one more than the first i had heard going in that um people say yeah it's fun but like they like the first one better mm-hmm. i like the second one a lot better because i thought it took what was there Took, made a more interesting plot and the villain's plot, whether you like the villain or not, I thought the background there was more memorable. Mm-hmm. You know, the it wasn't just, a, oh, I want to take over the world. Um, it took a really interesting That's true. idea on the war on drugs today and inserted it into this zany comic book plot. Um, That's true. That and, would have been a tough balancing act to, yeah. try, to, to oh, try to gosh, figure yes. out how to do that gosh, right yes. and keep the tone. Right. Um, but I, there was just so many moments I had, I was just having a blast during mm-hmm. this one, um, right from the opening fight where he's was gonna say. fighting this, um, guy with a robotic arm and, um, they're, and it's, it takes place in like a limo. And, so literally yeah. you, you get to the theater, the movie comes on and it's like Eggsy walking up to the Kingsman store, kind of yeah. introduces the Kingsman right. logo. And all of a sudden this dude rolls up in a, in a, um, whatever, Three yeah. in a car, yeah. and then there's like this little like mini, um, which is the cab that yeah. that uh, Exy was coming in, and uh, this dude rolls up and he's like, um, "Open your cab, I'm mm-hmm. getting in with you," and you know for whatever reason, um, and Exy isn't having it, of mm-hmm. course, so mm-hmm. he pulls off some kind of thing, and all of a sudden, bam, yeah. you are thrown into this crazy hectic yeah. car chase, but. It's so expertly done, right. and it's so ballistic. Oh, yeah. It feels a lot like Deadpool. If you've seen Deadpool and not Kingsman, it feels like those kind of car scenes yeah. where there's bodies smashing and ridiculous angles yeah. and yeah. Um, you know robotic arms flying and weird things like... I'll give you an example. Like, they're fighting, and all of a sudden, there'll be a punctuation in the action, and like one of the characters will look over, and they'll see that... like. There's a screen that can go up to cover to to break the driver off from the yeah, back yeah. seat, and they'll like raise it up to catch the robot arm in the window or something like right, that, right, you know. Right. And then all of a sudden, they both realize, wait a second, why aren't we fighting? And then yeah. fight again. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's yeah. the best way I can explain the way it feels. Oh yeah, to no, watch it, it. it starts and it stops, and, and it's, it's just an adrenaline rush for the next two hours, and um, mm-hmm. it doesn't let up. And it's oh. interesting for sure. Um, for me. I thought um, we can go into all the uh, the good characters in a minute, but since you sure. bring up the villain, um, I the villains are the thing I like the least about both movies. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, I understand it was his decision to do the list. Yeah, yeah, it was I weird. hate that villain. <laughs> I hate him. I don't like anything about him. I don't find him a charismatic villain. I yeah. don't find him interesting. Um, again, though, the idea behind the villain, while not as good as the sequel, right, I agree right, with you, right. was interesting. This yeah. app and and controlling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a cool idea. Um, but Samuel L. Jackson in that movie, I just couldn't wait till he left the screen every fucking time. I mean, I hate him in that, and I love Samuel L. Jackson, right, right. but boy, do I hate him in that. Yeah. Um, in this movie, again, 
I did not like Julianne Moore's character. Now, I get what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I get you're not supposed to like her. Yeah. But at the same time... A bit heavy-handed. A bit heavy-handed, even for this kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. A a bit, like, completely unrelatable. Completely nothing. Right. So, basically, she's this deranged woman who... um, it, it's the her plot is related to the war on drugs and she's that, a drug dealer right she's a cartel and, owner right and um in the final act of the movie she blackmails um the president saying that because she's figured out a way to like create this toxic drug that um can eventually kill everyone um so if you and, ever do any drug right including right. marijuana right all right. the way up to crack and heroin right you start getting these blue lines that go over your face and your body right First thing that happens is you start dancing around uncontrollably. Second thing is you're paralyzed fully. And the third thing is you straight die. Right. And so she holds she the world hijacked yeah. by doing this. And she's hijacked. And then she has an antidote, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she calls the president and says, hey, unless you totally cease the war on drugs yeah. in written form, yeah. I won't do this. And then the president's, like, agreeing with her. But then behind the scenes, he has his own ideas. Right, right. Again, that was whatever. Um, but the Julianne Moore character and this – so she had this thing where – And her she, name is Poppy. Right, yeah. so she has this, thing, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. She has this thing where she kills like all her henchmen, like for no fucking reason yeah, yeah, on a whim, yeah. and I hate that. Yeah. It's one thing if they tell me what the henchmen did to piss her off, mm-hmm. but in this, it's like she's just doing it for fun. Yeah, I and thought, I get yeah. that they do that in these movies, but this was just too stupid. Right, and then right. she's just like, you know what? So, the, so one guy brings in another guy, one of her henchmen, to introduce her character. He brings in another henchman, and he's like, "Hey, Poppy, I'd like to introduce you to this guy. He's solid. Let's bring him in." And Poppy goes, um, "New henchman." Um, I'm not going to give you any reason, but needless to say, the guy standing next to you, literally her like loyal henchman, right. um, did something to betray me. Kill yeah. him now. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And she's yeah. like, do it now. And then she makes these, she just forces him to do it. So, she, so he has puts to kill. In, yeah, and puts him in this like dispenser that uh, like. It's a meat grinder. Yeah. It's a meat yeah. grinder. Yeah. So so basically in the end, this, this new henchman yeah. guy meat grinds yeah. the guy that brought him in. Yeah. And then is forced to eat a hamburger yeah, no, and, yeah. of his, of his yeah. body. And yeah, it's, it's just... And again, that's the kind of thing like akin to the church scene in the first one, where it you know if it, it, Matthew Vaughn's audience is gonna love that, and then anyone else is gonna be like, "This is disgusting." I'm walking out of this. I crap. just like, don't. You know, I, and, uh, yeah. And the whole idea of Poppy World, I loved the concept. Here's uh, the problem I had with it: it was vacant and deserted. There weren't enough henchmen. Yeah. I get she's about robots instead of people but I yeah I she just, has like a robot dog I just feel like she needed more characters around her to flesh her character out more yeah that's right I, I, some kind of second in command right. that was legit as opposed to these two robotic dogs Again, it's not that big a deal. When they go and storm Poppyland, there were a bunch of guards, and it was interesting. And sure. I mean, you know, but again, that's my biggest complaint with the yeah. movie. Let's talk, about, let's talk about some of the great things. So, um, obviously, and huge spoilers, but you know this from the trailer, Colin Firth's back. Right. Um, and the way that they explain that is brilliantly done. Um, so, the concept is that in, they introduce in this movie there's all kinds of cool gadgets in both yeah, films yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in this one there's this thing that they can put on you and basically if you get shot in the eye yeah. fucking ball yeah. they put on this like thing that looks like one of those ice wraps that you would put in your freezer yeah. like a gel ice thing to like cool your head right well you wrap that around somebody you push a button and it pours gel into their skull and like keeps everything um preserved Stable, yeah. Yeah, yeah until you get back and then they use nano machines yeah. to repair you i mean it's completely ludicrous but it fits with the right with the thing but and this what is I, the statesmen who do this that 
they're the American version of the Kingsmen, um, who were also introduced into this movie. And what I love about it is that instead of it just being a, as we agreed, deus ex machina thing, where it's like, yeah. oh, there was a gel thing, that's why Colin Firth's alive. Right, right, Woo-hoo. right. Instead, the reason he's alive is the statesman happened to find out about him, came there, used this gel thing on him, and brought him back. And what's great is they don't just use it there. There's they gel things throughout. throughout the whole movie right. making you realize this is standard operating procedure. It's not weird that Colin Firth yeah. is brought back to life. They do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. They use it for the, the, the twist villain, yeah. who I really liked, by the way. He was great. Yes. Um, who was that playing? Oh, God. He's, he he's, looks like Josh Brolin, but he's not. He's um, in a lot of stuff, um, and he's really a really good... Um, Really good. But him, Channing Tatum. I actually like Channing Tatum in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although he's in it very little. He's very little, but... I didn't realize that. That was fun, though. Um, And then Howie Berry, and then um, Jeff Bridges. So, I mean... There was um, a lot to like. A lot of big stars. There was Um, a lot to like uh, in terms of that. Right. And then Mark Strong is back here, too. Um, Really solid. Oh, yeah. And he kind of fills more of Colin Firth's role. Because, again, Mm -hmm. Colin Firth is back here, but... For most of the movie, He's his not memory right. is wiped. And, yeah. Um, because when they recovered him, um, he woke up with amnesia. Um, and so they keep him contained for a while and are trying to wake him up. Um, and eventually they do. And um, he gets to be the hero again in the last act of the movie. But So I didn't realize... The guy's name is Pedro Pascal. Okay. But I didn't realize that was his name because I see him in a lot of things, and I thought it was a name I knew, but I guess I don't. Okay. Um, but he's great. He, he plays was. his oh, character's yeah. whiskey, and and he's, he's he's like the mole. Right. He's um, a statesman agent that you know turns out to be a rogue, but not in league with um, uh, Poppy, but has his own motivations. Uh, um, one of which is really stupid. Um, yeah. He he actually like tries to claim that the reason he was doing it and supporting Poppy. Was for the money because yeah. he wanted to. He wanted uh, drugs to be illegal, so yeah. the statesman's liquor business would yeah. make his stock more valuable. That it was, was dumb, dumb as shit. That was Sometimes dumb. you know, I get you have throwaway lines that are just for comedic purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not when you're talking motive for the whole right, villain. Right. Don't do that. Whereas the other motivation, which is the primary one, was more believable in that um, his wife was killed years ago by two meth heads and. That instilled him in him a hatred of all drug users. Very, very understandable. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and so, anyway, so though they were good. Eggsy, nobody ever talks about him because he's just so he's serviceably just so good. good. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. great in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. Boy, what boy that guy got a real break when he was so given that role because he's so talented. But he could have never been discovered. He's the kind of actor yeah. who may never have broken. I want to see him and Ansel Elgort from Baby Driver in a movie together. It's like both of them should have been the front runners for Han Solo, but um, they weren't, and that annoyed me no end. But um, they're like the next up and coming action heroes, and just I mean, they have such charisma, um, such screen presence. They work well with all these, I mean, giants, thespians, uh, yeah. and they just work with them effortlessly. Um, and I love the the way that they bring Colin Firth's character back once his amnesia is away he's still not right mm-hmm. and so he's like can't fight properly and then it allows you to in a very effective way question his judgment throughout the right, movie right. and then in the end when you find out his judgment is in fact sound yeah. um it's one of those hooray moments. Yeah, like, absolutely. Fuck yes, yeah, he's yeah. back and he's awesome and his instincts are right. on. And what it shows you is why he's indispensable yeah. as a character. And he even has an emotional arc where he becomes uh, Kingsman, but with a heart and an yeah. understanding that 
Eggsy needs to have love in his life or else there's no reason to be alive. Right. It's, it's just really yeah. good all around. I would say definitely see it. Oh, I would absolutely. say if you can see it in a theater, do so. Yeah, because it um, is such an adrenaline rush that you want to see the sweeping action scenes on the big screen. Um, so it'll still be out for a while, so yeah, definitely go see it. Uh, and sorry if we spoiled some of it. <laughs> it's not the point. It's a, Yeah, no. I mean, a movie like that, it's more about the feeling than... And watching these that, awesome scenes right, and, right. and explosions and stuff. Right. Um, so what else talk. have you seen, Kevin? Um, I've been, you know, it's Halloween season, so trying to go through... Uh, I haven't watched any new ones, but I've been rewatching some old horror movies and um, dark fantasy ones I haven't seen in a while, so... Um, I rewatched Hush the other night on Netflix, which is one of my favorite. What is it? Horror. This is the one that's um, about. Um, I talked about it briefly on the horror podcast a few weeks ago, but um, it's about a woman who's uh, deaf and mute. Oh, and right, a right, right. killer comes to her door right. and she lives out in the woods. Isn't this it's recent? Brilliant. Yeah, it came out last year. I was going to say. It's the directed by, I think it's a guy who did Oculus, um, no, Mike I Flanagan. I remember. Um, and. He wrote it with the actress um, Kate Siegel, um, who plays the woman in it. But oh, it's so good! It's just like there's very little dialogue in it, and um, it's just this cat and mouse game that's so expertly handled and delivered. And surprises. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's not like a bit like twist and turn kind of movie, but like just the way it's her trying to survive in the night with you know the serial killer at her door and. Cool. Um, oh, it's so good. Cool. And yeah. All right. Um, I did that. Um, last night I rewatched Hellboy 2, which I hadn't seen. I'd I seen need the first to watch one. the Hellboys. What's my problem? I know, dude. You got it. Del Toro, man. You got to watch some stuff. After um, after after that podcast, the Del Toro podcast, uh, I had a friend of the show, Elliot, mm-hmm. um, get in touch with me and he was like, dude, dude, yeah. you need to see a bunch of shit. Yeah, you do. Like, you have to see Pan's Labyrinth first yep. and foremost. I was right. Like, All right, I'll get right. to it. So. Right. Absolutely, um, but that's but, the uh, consensus. Is oh, that gosh, you, yes. if you haven't seen a bunch of Del Toro shit, like you need to fucking see out. a bunch of Del Toro shit. Yep, so. you do. All right. um, but yeah, I, had, I mean, I've seen the first one many times. I had not seen the second one in a long time, um, so it was fun revisiting that. Um, I still like the first one better, but the second one's really interesting because it was made around the same time as Pan's Labyrinth, and so um, he puts a lot more monsters and creatures into it. Um, it's called Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, and it's basically the um, this dark elf prince is leading an army of giant like golden robot creatures type that um uh are um related to this ancient origins and um there's other monsters in there and um it's just you know they'll tell tons of fun i mean i am very excited about the reboot because it'll be more of a horror film in tone with the comics but um del toro's hellboy movies are just so much fun and it's just like these um high octane fantasy films that um, deliver all kinds of creatures and world building and you nice. know, it's Ron Perlman and Doug Jones so can't ask for more nice but um, did that um, I rewatched The Crow the other night too really? Was, yeah, that's oh, a that's a, yeah there's a, a dark cloud over that movie man yeah Woo! I know I know it's very sad if anybody but, doesn't know uh, Brandon Lee passed yeah, um, right. while filming yep. that movie which yep, is terrible it is one of the few like deaths on a film set, he was shot by guns. Supposed yeah. to have blanks. Yeah. So that movie will forever be like cursed in a way. Yeah. And it's also, but it's so good though. Like, and I mean, what a way to go out for you know. I mean, at least there, that. It's tragic. At least but, that. Yeah. At but, least he's forever immortalized. Right. And we right. say Brandon Lee anytime the movie comes up. Yeah. So there you go, Brandon. Absolutely. Pour, um, pour, proverbially pouring one out for you here. Man. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, I've basically been doing that, and then, uh, I mean, Boy Meets World dropped on Hulu, then, and so I've been going back and forth mm. between <laughs> reliving my childhood and then trying to watch horror movies in light of Halloween. So, That's valid. It's been fun. Cool. Um, so I haven't watched any movies aside from the two that we uh-huh. saw. Um, I've been watching a lot of TV, uh, which I won't get into mm. here. Um, hey, you can mention that show. Uh, well, the one I would say for sure, and it was recommended to me by a couple people, um, is American Vandal. On Hulu, oh, okay. Whole, I mean, on uh, Netflix. Netflix. Holy shit! Watch that. Um, it is. Heard of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is this mockumentary, um, uh, making fun of like making a murderer. Mm-hmm. Not making fun of, but like an homage, yeah, yeah comedic yeah. homage. I would yeah, say yeah. to making a murderer and the serial podcast and stuff like that. Right. It is one of the best um, collections of young, like high school, like actors playing high schoolers. And the archetypes and characters that they create are so good. Wow. Um, basically, the concept is that um, there's a guy, and he's like a jock. Not excuse me, not a jock, a yeah, like a stoner yeah. uh, guy. And he has this group of friends called the Wayback Boys. Yeah, and they make like um, uh, punked videos, like uh, videos yeah. like where they do uh, like uh, pull pranks on people, and they're those type of guys. And then all of a sudden, one day at school. Uh, dicks get drawn on 27 cars at the school and he immediately Dylan is his name he immediately gets accused of it um, and there's even an eyewitness who says he did it and he's like I didn't do it I yeah. do pranks but I didn't do it and what ends up coming out so it seems really juvenile at first it's yeah. got things like one of the pieces of evidence that he didn't do it is that like when he draws dicks and puts them on the board they have ball hairs but there are no ball hairs on the ones on the cars like oh, that yeah, kind of evidence but yeah, the yeah. characters are dead serious about it in a really yeah. fun way so the main one of the breakout stars of this is the guy who plays Peter Maldonado he's the main documentarian mm-hmm. and it's he and his friend Eric Eklund and the two of them are like making this movie out of like the student AV room yeah, yeah. Um, and and so you see them in there with their whiteboard like doing theories like yeah, wait yeah. a minute and then they like figure out time per dick like how much time it would take to draw each dick, multiply that out and shit like that. I mean, it gets really into it like that, but what hap- what emerges is it's really fun, but what emerges is a mystery that deepens and characters that you're all being introduced to. There's one in particular who's amazing. It's Kraz, uh, John, something, David Krasinski or something like that, mm-hmm. but the students call him Kraz and he's like the cool history teacher that's kind of like hates all the other teachers and talks shit. Um, and so throughout the documentary, he's just like, dude, the coach of the football team, that guy's a douche. He straight up roofies people. Like he's just throwing accusations around, and things like that have consequences in yeah, this, yeah. and you'll see those play out. Um, but it's a real. It's it, it, first. So at first, it looks like this mockumentary. It's going to be a joke. Yeah, yeah. Very soon, you realize that it's yet another thing. It's also like a character drama, yeah, yeah. a high school drama that's depicted brilliantly well. And then even when you, and 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 also like this great mystery. Mm-hmm. And then when you go even a level further, it becomes like an emotional. Um, depiction of what high school does to people and the mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. impact that it has on you emotionally and yeah. psychologically and also the concept of this guy Dylan is this a self-fulfilling prophecy whether he did the dicks or not even if he didn't do the dicks and it can be proven does that mean his life's going to get better mm-hmm. you know and they ask these questions throughout the documentary um wasn't it people from Funny or Die? So yeah, I guess I yeah. never really understand. I get that that's a website where they make joke videos. Yeah, and I guess it's like a couple guys from that made this. But yeah, yeah. man, are they brilliant! When yeah. you hear them, I've, I've read interviews, and when you hear them talking about how they design the characters and like 
you know, you you they they talk about the impact that they feel like the viewer is gonna have it's gonna have on the viewer mm-hmm. as they watch. They're like, so the first time you watch the guy on the screen, you start thinking about like, oh wait a minute, this guy's real. And then the next thought you have, so they're like thinking about what I'm gonna be thinking when I'm watching it and trying to like, I wouldn't say manipulate, but but guide my thinking in a really clever way. Um, the ending was a little bit of a letdown. I get why they went the direction that they did, and it's still a fantastic ending with an excellent resolution and good, well, sort of excellent resolution and good, uh, um, you know, character arc endings. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, anyway, I don't want to give too much away. You just have to see it. It's phenomenal. I've been recommending it to anybody I come across because it is just so good. And if you think I don't want to watch an eight-episode mockumentary, it isn't that. Um, it is. Oh, a, I love mockumentary. But even yeah. so, but an eight episode one, you know, yeah. like it's at the end of the day, it's 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 four hours of mockumentary or four and a half. Like yeah. that seemed like a lot to me, but no, this is just. Well, I mean, I watched every season of Office, so yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Like yeah, it. I guess so. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's sort yeah. of the same. Anyway, watch American Vandal. Okay, I also well. started The Accountant. Um, the horrible, tragic news that recently happened um, out in Vegas. Yeah, um, I can't even talk about it, and I won't. Yeah. it's so horrendous, but. Um, there was a beautiful tribute on Saturday Night Live, by the way. Yeah, Jason that, Aldean, uh, yeah it was absolutely that. beautiful and That's wonderful, and to Tom Petty as well. Yeah, um, but but anyway, the um, that brought up in conversation on the news this movie, The Accountant, yeah. which is about an accountant right. um, who's a murderer. And so um, somebody, uh, one of my friends, had heard about that, and we started watching the movie just to like get an idea of if it was yeah. prescient or whatever, right, right, um, or had anything to say about it. And, and it doesn't seem like it's gonna. No, be. It, it's it, pretty stupid. It's yeah. just, it's just basically Ben Affleck is uh, somebody with autism in a various, in a very stereotypical way, mm-hmm. at least so far. Yeah. Um, and he uses instead of every autistic person you see depicted you know, basically being on the side of good, he's, like, on the side of evil, or so it seems anyway. I don't know if that yeah, changes, yeah. but anyway, it's okay. I remember okay. it was a dud. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, yeah, it's it, yeah. it seems pretty crappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's it for me. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got, so. Oh, yeah? Right. Is that all you got? Yeah. Does that think... mean that it's time to talk 2049? All right. So, um, everybody, prepare yourselves. Yeah. Realize it's spoiler time. Oh, yes. Uh, if you have, I'm going to say this, if you have not seen the original Blade Runner, and if you have not seen this movie, I wouldn't. I wouldn't listen. No, no not no, even no. if you don't intend on seeing this movie. Because no. one day you need to. Yeah, I absolutely. do not want you to ruin this movie on yourself because right, it is right. that good as a singular experience absolutely. to watch this movie for two hours and forty four minutes. Although it doesn't feel that long, um, is is it, it's it's transcendental in a certain. And that sounds like you know ridiculous no, praise, it, it, but it, it really is. It's something that you need to experience, preferably in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that said, huge spoiler warning: we are yep. going to talk about every aspect yeah. of this movie yeah um so how okay. do you want to do this do you want to just kind of like because so uh, let's start um let's start by talking about um the overall plot okay um just in in broad strokes and we'll fill each other in right, so i right. will start okay um the movie starts out with ryan gosling who plays the main character his name is k mm-hmm. um he is a replicant uh, in the future there's a little crawl that comes on the screen at the beginning um that says that after the Tyrell Corp um, from the first film um, is sort of done, yeah. um, it gets purchased. The, the, the scraps, the remnants of yeah. Tyrell Corp get purchased by this guy named Neander Wallace, played by Jared Leto. Right. And he basically finds a way to repurpose the technology, create new replicants who absolutely positively cannot disobey, right. will never go rogue. And it's his dream 
to basically create the perfect workforce and to expand into the galaxy and the stars using the workforce of replicants. And also in between that, there was a major blackout um, True. sparked by a group of replicant uh, revolutionaries um, who basically got rid of years of data um, by Tyler Corporation. But, in, in an effort right. to free themselves from constantly being hunted. Right, but Wallace was able to recover uh, able, a bunch of data. A lot of it. Not all yeah. of it, but a right. lot of it. Right. So anyway, that, that takes part. us to the beginning of the movie. Um, Ryan Gosling, K, um, is a Blade, Blade Runner, Runner mm-hmm. just like Harrison Ford was before him. Um, and he goes to this very bleak looking farm, farm yeah. settlement place, rolls in, um, and basically meets up with Dave Batista. Dave Batista, yeah. um, who plays, um, um, he was, I don't know the name, but he was one of the Nexus eights, which are the original replicants from the, cause not designed by the Wallace corporation, but, but um, original Tyrell yeah. robots and he's replicants. just living as a farmer out here. But, but anyway, he, so he, so he knows that any day it could happen that he gets hunted down by yeah. a Blade Runner. So this is that day. Yeah. Um, K comes to eliminate him. But just before he eliminates him, um, Batista's character says, um, you don't understand what you are or what we're capable of because you haven't seen a miracle the way yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. So as K is leaving, he notices that there is a tree. Um, and then he has his little camera thing, do a little check on it. Um, and like he takes a picture of the tree. Is that all we learn at that point? Does he see the six ten twenty one there? Not the, yet. Okay, that's, that's later. later. Okay, that's yeah. later. That's yeah. when he comes back for his right, second visit right, to the right. tree. It's a very yeah. complex movie. Yeah. Um, anyway, though, um, there's something that. What was it that triggers him to wonder more? Um, oh yeah, I remember. Um, so he gets the thing to do a skit. He gets. Uh, he sees the tree. He gets um, his boss. Yeah. Which is brilliantly played by um, Robin Wright. Robin Wright, mm-hmm. and she um, sends in a dig team. They dig up the tree. And they find out there's a box down there with bones, and it's a replicant's bones, um, and it looks like the replicant died in childbirth. They're right. able to figure out. Right. Um, so that's kind of all they know at that point. Um, so he is basically tasked, and also they show this really cool thing where a baseline is established. So yeah. when he comes back in, he was in a, in a fight with Batista's character, so they have to do a baseline on him. And apparently, there's a lot of things in this movie that they leave ambiguous, so you don't quite know all the rules and ramifications of yeah. it. Yeah. One of those is um, Wallace and the little things he puts in his neck. Just really cool little pieces of tech that, that fill out the world, but that mm-hmm. are never explained. Sure. People may know, I don't. Um, but when he gets back, he has to do a baseline. He basically has to repeat words and show that he's completely unemotional right. about these words. Right. And it's like interlocked, interlocked, um, you know, connection, connection. He has to keep saying these words over yeah. and over, and they test this for baseline. His baseline comes back clear. He gets to go pick up his bonus for taking out this replicant, um, and things move on. Next thing is they, they get this box. They find the bones in it. And then um, he is. They basically find out that a replicant has given birth. birth right. The ultimate impossibility. Something that was never supposed to be able to happen. And if this is discovered by the world, then it would wreak havoc. And Robin um, Wright is like the really, chief of police, yeah, and yeah. so to her, she realizes that this is a time bomb. It will yeah. destroy everything. Yeah. Humanity as they know it. Once life can be given by a robot, technically. Yeah. Um, then that's it. There's all rules are off. Cause yeah. the, and then there's the concept of the soul. And if you're born, that means you have a soul, all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, he's then investigating. Um, first of all, we also see that he has this awesome, cool thing uh, called Joy. Yeah. Um, and it is one and of the her things that's... performance, oh my god. I know. Um, one of the all things... All performances, yeah. We'll all the performances that, are stellar, yeah, but, but yeah. Um, Joy is this little robot woman. Hologram. Hologram yeah, woman. Yeah. And she is basically in the house with him. At first you don't see her, but then she walks in and it's basically a hologram. And she's an AI. Yeah. And she's stored in the computer in his uh, uh, apartment. Mm. And she, like, cooks for him. However, it's just an illusion. Yeah. Because all you really see is he's eating some disgusting, like, slug food. Right. While there's a projection of the nice steak and potatoes she made. Yeah. So there's a lot in this movie of stuff that's really going on and then her being projected over it. And then you get to kind of compare, like, reality with... It's very well done oh, and yeah, interesting. Fine. And you could analyze it, you know, six ways to Sunday. Sure. But anyway, so you meet her. You can see that he has a genuine affection for her. And he gives her a present. Um, and the present is... Um, what's called an emanator. Yeah. And this emanator allows her to go with him when he goes out. So she mm. kind of becomes his detective partner for right, a while. Right, right. Um, and so she can go out with him. She feels the rain for the first time, or at least pretends to. Yeah. Um, and that and was a beautiful scene. It was too, gorgeous. The rain and so the gorgeous, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, he goes out um, back to the house. And at the ha- back to the house, uh, the house where uh, Batista's character was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does some exploring. He's a great detective, brilliant, one of the best. It, it's it's pretty clear. And he goes over to the piano. They they've supposedly already searched the whole place, but they mm-hmm. don't find anything. He goes to the piano, finds a dead key, flips open the piano, and inside is a little box with a little mitten. And I believe that's where he finds the little horse. Yes. Is that where the, the horse is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or it's a unicorn. And it, yeah. It it's a tie back to the original where. Um, uh, Deckard has a dream about um, a unicorn, and the and it's really important in the final cut version because it leads to the implication that Deckard is a replicant mm-hmm. because um, his boss and that the one who sent him on the mission um, says he kn- knew about the dream, which leads to the implication again that um, that the dream of the unicorn was an implanted memory, right, and thus Deckard's replicant so that's where the symbolism is tied there um so it's very important that it's that's you know so that's our first real connection to the original cool Um, there's tons of them I mean there's tons but that was probably the most first really significant one okay so um so that happens um and on the bottom of it although we don't find out till later when Joy Mm -hmm. kind of discusses it with him on the bottom of this little unicorn made out of wood um, there's a date on it, um, which... 61021. Wow, okay. Yeah, 61021. Mm-hmm. And um, he knows that that was the same date that appeared on the bottom of the same little wooden unicorn right. that he had in one of his memories. Right. Um, and it's one of the most significant memories that he always remembers. And there's a really good scene where he and Robin Wright are talking, and uh, she asks him to recount a memory, and that's where we as the viewer first get to find yeah. out about the unicorn. And then sure. later at his house or his apartment, Joy points out, um, yeah, but you know that there's a really weird coincidence, and that is that he's basically directly tied to this whole scenario. Right. Kay is. So Kay needs to get to the bottom of what's going on with his memory because yeah. he's like, is it possible that this means I was that baby? Right. Am I the Am I the only child? And does that mean I have a soul? And he's really getting mind fucked by all yeah. this. Joy believes it immediately. She's like, uh, you although were later there's special. significance yeah. to that, which I want to talk about. Is mm-hmm. it's really painful and awesome yeah. and beautiful. But she tells him, "You were always special. I've always known it. We knew this was true. I've always told you." Um, and then he says, "All right, I got to get to the bottom of this." So he goes to this place, and it's maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah. But. Um, it's this place where memories are built. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this girl. Um, she is, I don't know her name. 
Um, um, Anna something. I'd have to go back Okay, but yeah. anyway, she's there, and she... She's a sort of, like, oracle that um, can analyze memories and tell you if they're real or not, because there's some way of determining whether... Oh, well, no, they're on a planet, or this is real. Well, no, it's it's she can tell by like the little details and the yeah, authenticity. Yeah, 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 but yeah. basically, she's a dream. She's a uh, a memory builder. Yeah. So she crafts memories like an artist would. Although she's very weak, she cannot go out into the elements. So therefore, she's behind glass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she always has to live there. So apparently, she her parents uh, went off world. Um, and uh, she had to stay behind because mm-hmm. they found out she was sick and she had to stay behind glass so she couldn't travel off world where apparently yeah, yeah. a lot of people went. So when he comes in there, he says, "I, how do you make dreams? And she tells him, um, she, he says, how do you make them authentic? And, you know, she talks about the details and, you know, and she also says that every artist who makes, you know, these not dreams, memories, every artist who makes memories puts a little bit of themselves in the memories. And he goes, all right, so can you tell me if this memory is real? He recounts the memory to her. She can like read it through his mind yeah, through yeah. some technique. And she says, this is definitely somebody's real memory. Right. Um, and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He yeah, freaks yeah. out. He starts smashing up the place. Right, right. Um, because this to him is his revelation that he was born. Yeah. He is not, he has meaning finally. Right. He, be- he is real. Right. Um, and he freaks out and storms out of there. When he gets back to the office, or he's captured maybe. No, yeah. he's captured also, at that is, point. But is this after he visits the Wallace Corporation? Or- or was it oh yeah he yeah. yeah he goes on it that's true we got to get to that okay, yeah. so let's so yeah so there's a point when he uh goes well during his investigation yeah he yeah. goes to the wallace corporation he meets like their head of security slash neander wallace she's is fascinating because yeah she's good. really interesting she's like she's like the new rachel in a way kind because of she's the, like the she's surrogate for the tyrell surrogate and she, but she has like an empathy to her that makes her really compelling, but she's also brutal. And right. The end is like, and Little tears drop name. from her eyes yeah, when yeah. Th- certain emotional beats are, n- right. are hit, but at the same time, she'll do the most brutal things without blinking an eye. Right, so, right. You're right. It's a very interesting character. She's very striking in that same way that Rachel was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she's a main character. She yeah. is straight up like you could call her a villain in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he meets with her. She takes him to look at... Um, the the remnant, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, yeah. Um, he the... sees the conversation between Deckard and Rachel in the original, where when they first meet, um, uh, he hears their conversation because it's recorded yeah. in these little weird chippy yeah, circular yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the most important thing there is that he first meets this girl, right? Uh, could you look her name up real quick while I do this because we really like, need to know. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Um, okay, but anyway, um, the. I'm just trying, hold on, let me, uh, let me I get, just, okay, here, cool. go ahead. Um, but anyway, so he goes and, um, and does that, and then he is captured outside of this memory-making place. He gets brought into the station, and they do another baseline check, and he is whacked. Yeah. He doesn't pass any of the baseline check in any way at all. Uh, luckily, um, he goes into his boss's office, she freaks out on him, and then he lies, which is something that, uh, replicants, these new replicants are absolutely positively not supposed to be able to do, and tells her, um, I did kill the baby like you asked. I discovered yeah. the baby and I killed it. There's no record of it whatsoever. And she's like, oh, thank God, because she believes him immediately. And it, even though it sounds far-fetched, she knows that he's not allowed to lie. So immediately yeah. when she hears it, she believes it. She's so relieved and happy um, that she says, all right, I realize your baseline's all fucked up, but I will get you, I will buy you 48 hours um, I'll get you out of the station alive, but they're going to come after you. You better run. Um, and so he leaves. He goes back home to see Joy. Um, and when he sees Joy, he says, you were right, Joy. You were right about everything. Um, 
and then uh, immediately she, she says, shh, and uh, you, you turn around, and who walks in but this girl that he had met earlier. I didn't go into that, but basically he was at some place eating yeah, food, yeah, yeah. and this uh, prostitute girl walked mm-hmm. up to him um, and try and so she was tapped on the shoulder and said, "Hey, go find out about this guy. Do some research on him." Um, and then by some mysterious figure, yeah. You, you, at that point, you assume that it's what's her name. So uh, Wallace's assistant is Love, and then um, the uh, um, dream person is Doctor Anna Stelline. Stelline, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. So Love. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so you assume that Love, yeah. um, the assi- Wallace's assistant, was the one that had come after right. had sent her after him so right, she walks right. over um, he rebuffs her because Joy who's in his pocket and by the way it's a really cool thing that happens in the movie there's this little sound cue whenever she's like being present because yeah, she's yeah, in yeah. the emanator now she can go with him mm-hmm. so whenever she's around it goes or something and you know that she's watching yeah. which is really cool yep. so anyway this girl's like oh I see you don't like real girls you have a you know an AI girl right, no right. problem she walks off um, then flash forward to the scene we're talking about where he gets home he's freaking out all of a sudden, that girl walks in. Yeah. Turns out, Joy took the liberty of calling her. He says, "I could." She says, "I could tell you like that girl. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, you're real, real and you. I want to be real for yeah, you." Yeah, yeah. So there's this beautiful, and I mean, I was swept up in it. It was one of the most beautifully shot, beautifully executed, yeah. perfect like love making scenes that didn't feel dirty but felt beautiful, right. and 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 all these ways where basically, um, Joy, like sinks herself yeah, with this prostitute girl yeah. so that they can be one so that Kay can actually make love to a real woman mm-hmm. and it be joy and they have that whole scene at that point the next day they wake up it was a gorgeous scene yeah. next day they wake up she puts a little tracker in Kay's pants right um, and then she leaves um, so then he goes on his quest and he needs to find out because he knows that everybody's coming for him. He does something very risky and he takes Joy and he moves her officially into his emanator so that she, if she, if that emanator little stick thing gets destroyed, she's gone forever. Mm-hmm. He takes her off the mainframe because otherwise they could just come here looking for him, find the um, uh, information and check her memories and mm-hmm. they would know exactly what he's up to. Mm-hmm. So um, he um, he's off. Uh, you see a scene where uh, Love goes to the police station looking for where yep. he is. Um, she brutally murders uh, Robin, Robin Wright's character mm-hmm. yeah. um, and goes on the computer and finds out um, where Kay is headed. Right. Um, and at the... I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm missing. I think I got most of nah, it, Now this right? goes into... So this goes into Decker. Yeah. Okay. He so goes th- into a wasteland of L.A. now, like a future post-apocalyptic L.A. Um, to uh, find Decker. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's Vegas. Yeah, I thought it was LA. I thought yeah. it's Vegas. That's why he said there's gambling here and there's, and there's oh, yeah, Elvis. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Vegas. Okay, right, yeah. But regardless, it's this yeah. totally radiated place. And right. The way they know that is he goes to this really cool back marketplace with the little um, uh, unicorn and find out that it has tremendous radioactivity on it. And there's only one place right. on Earth that has this much radioactivity. It may be Vegas. I think it's Vegas. From now okay, we'll call yeah, it yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Sure. No. Um, so he knows the only place where there's this much radioactivity is in this total wasteland. So he goes there. Um, and it isn't long before he comes across Harrison Ford and Deckard. Now, by the way, note, this is about two-thirds of the way into yeah, the movie. Yeah, it was a good couple hours. This, yeah, there's like yeah. this really it's a dreamlike and, and moving with real, like momentum, but yeah. also... Anyway, um, so he gets there, and uh, the two of them have a fight, because that's how it always has to be. When have they meet, to, yeah. they have to fight. So they fight for a while, then they decide, you know what, let's not fight, let's have drinks. Yeah. And they talk, and big revelations are revealed. Why don't you tell what those are? So they're... T- um, the... 
Ryan K straight up asked Deckard um, because he knows that he and that Deckard and Rachel um, had a child. You know what happened to them? Why? You know why did you? And so the basically they kept uh, they get, hid the child to keep them safe. Um, and then Rachel died, and and part um, of keeping the child safe was that Deckard had to disappear forever, right, from the child's life. And, and right. Deckard makes this cool comment where he says, "Part of sometimes loving something is having nothing to do with it whatsoever." Right, right, right. Um, and that's is that basically all that they talk about? Pretty oh, oh, and also oh. Kay says, "How could you leave your yeah, child? Yeah, 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 How could yeah, you do yeah, that?" Yeah. And Deckard said, "We were being hunted." Yeah, yeah. And it's that scene you see in the trailer. What's significant about that though is when he says, "We were being hunted," it could be we as in all replicants yes, or it could be Rachel and our child and therefore by extension I yeah. was being hunted and as really I said well earlier done. the question of is Deckard a replicant has remained a mystery ever since the first movie um, at least and, in terms of in film canon right and the thing is is you know while the final cut is regarded as the best version and the one Ridley Scott prefers there is still no clear cut which one is canon um, basically the difference is that the first one, Warner Brothers slapped on a happy ending of, uh, Deckard and Rachel running off into the sunset and yada, yada, yada. Which I don't um, hate. Which I, I know, know yeah. it's, you know, it's after they've been through everything, it's, uh, it makes sense. Um, but in the final cut, it leaves with the implication that, um, Deckard is a replicant and that he and Rachel are on the run at the very end of it. Um, uh, which kind of fits into this being Exactly. And, um, and here, yeah. And so that line has a lot of implications, but... Even then, by the end of the movie, we still don't know. Yes, we know that he and Rachel had a child together. Rachel's obviously a replicant, so the um, but either the child is full on replicant, born of a, or, or, or maybe, is a hybrid. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, also, we also see another scene that I left out about um, Neander Wallace. Um, basically showing one of these new replicants that he made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. falls from a sack. He goes yeah. over to it, like strokes it, rubs it like right. his beautiful art. He treats it like clay. Right. Um, and then, and this is when um, Love is standing there and she dro- drops a tear for her kind there. Yeah. Um, and then Neander brutally slaughters her with a knife in her gut, right. basically showing he has no concern no. or humanity. He's all about just creating. And he basically, once he learns that there is a, a that, replicant that reproduced, he wants that all because... Um, he says, and this is a little little thin, I got to admit, but he says it, that the only way, it's one of the very few little thin yeah. things, but his motivation is that he can never make enough, enough. replicants to really reach the stars and right. back. Therefore, he if wants... If they were to reproduce, he could colonize all over the world and... And be the yeah, ultimate yeah. grand Pumbaa of everything. Right. Now, you could say he just wants to have this power, and yeah. that, that works better as a, as a thing to me. Yeah. He, there's a baby, there's a way to reproduce. He wants it. He's a scientist. Sure. He wants to know how to do that. Sure. Whatever it is. So anyway, you see that scene. It's brutal. Um, so the, Harrison Ford and Kay are together, are in this Vegas place, um, and all of a sudden, Love and her crew of badasses roll up, mm-hmm. um, and there's a big battle that ensues. Not that big, though. This yeah. movie doesn't have a lot of big set-piece battles in, a, in an awesome way, which right. I love about it. I was never like watching the Avengers tear up New York City. Sure. It was just like little battles. And so anyway, yeah. um, Harrison Ford is kidnapped. Um Kay is in a confrontation with Love, who basically leaves him for dead and smashes the Emanator. So Joy yeah. is now dead. So she's yeah. the ultimate in cruelty there. Um, and uh, we all know, of course, that uh, Kay has a tracker on him, but you know we assume that Love planted mm-hmm. it. Well, 
um, in the next scene, um, we see two things, and they're, they're basically happening at the same time. Yeah. The first one is Harrison Ford is in Neander Wallace's really cool-looking interrogation chamber yeah, or office or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And well, I'll talk, we'll talk about that first, and then we'll talk about where Kay is in his yeah, revelations. Because yeah, 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 yeah. Kay is off with this other group, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, yeah. So in Neander's lair, um, there is, again, one of the best scenes in the movie by far, um, where... Um, he is being interrogated by Love and Neander, mm-hmm. Deckard is. Yeah. And uh, basically, um, Neander says, I want to know where this child is. Where right. is the child? Let me know. And Deckard's just like, no fucking way. I'm not letting you know where the child right. is. So then they he describes like why he should tell him and you know I'm going to make you have excruciating pain. I need you to tell me. And then when it's not working, he brings out Sean Young. Yep. It's basically Rachel. And yep. she walks in. And I've heard people talk about this, but it is the best freaking CGI I've ever seen. She looks straight amazing. up yeah. real. Yeah. Like real. Oh, yeah. So she walks in, and then Deckard is completely taken aback. This is the love of his life. He lost her in childbirth. Mm-hmm. He's freaking out. So he goes over. He touches her face. At this point, Neander reveals something brilliant where he says that, Did you ever wonder why you were assigned this case back in the day? Did right. you ever wonder why you met her and instantly fell in love? It was all a design. Now, we don't know if this is true, but this is what he mm-hmm. says. It was all sure. a design by Tyrell. He had created her to be the one, to be a replicant that could reproduce. Mm-hmm. And he needed you to come in. Maybe Decker's a replicant, maybe not. Yeah. But he needed you to come in and be the other portion of that experiment. Right. You were all part of an experiment. This was all designed. So don't think you have some magic love that you're protecting yeah, and yeah. some love child. This is all science. This is all nothing. Yeah. And you better just fucking tell me. And here's the girl here and I can reunite you. Yay. Just yeah. let us know what we want to know. Um, and there's this like three or four minute scene where Harrison Ford is like liking Rachel and like yeah. really enjoying this. And then, and then he walks back and he, he says, says her eyes were green yeah, in this yeah. really like gritty yeah. way basically yeah. that is not Rachel yeah um, at which point um, Neander and them just slaughter her uh, right yeah and yeah. then he says um, okay you think you don't have to answer me fine you think you know pain you don't know pain but you will mm-hmm. it's really good yeah. he only has a couple scenes but Leto really dominates yeah no I, I mean and he killed that was it. interesting he killed it but anyway yeah. so, so Deckard in love are now going to be brought off-world where there's going to be torture and they're going to get the answers from it. Meanwhile, Kay is not dead, Mm -hmm. of course. He is rather in this area where he's being talked to by this new woman. Is it Isabella Rossellini or something like that? It's some... It's somebody. Yeah. Anyway, she's this woman. Frey or something is her character's name. And she walks up to him and says, Hey there, how you doing? Um we are this underground resistance. And you realize that, in fact, the people tracking um, Gosling this whole time. Uh, her name is like Hiam Abbas. Yeah. Abbas, we'll okay, call yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that um, there's this underground movement of these 08s. Yeah. They're all 08s, right? Yeah, yeah. Those ones? Yes, they were, so yeah. Of all these 08s, they're not dead. They've been hiding. What, what do you want to say? No, no, yeah. I guess it was, they were... Um, been hiding since like the blackout and all right. that yeah. yeah so and they may have been the ones that caused the blackout yeah. for all we know mm-hmm. but anyway they've been hiding for all this time um it, working behind the scenes to eventually reveal who the child is um to the world um and um and 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 basically they tell him okay you thought you were the child i'm so sorry you're not the right, child right. you are not the son of um of Deckard and um, right. and Rachel. Rather, you're, you're just a dude yeah. who has that memory in his head. Right. The real child was a girl. Mm-hmm. 
and it turns out it was Staline. Yeah. So we met earlier, and it, it it's really I mean we could talk about it again, but it's it's brilliant the way that it's done oh, yeah. because it's very believable that you know this memory was implanted in him. And that it led him to Staline because it is her memory. So that's actually her memory. And then yeah. they flash back on the scene and you finally see like the 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 because when we learned about the memory with the unicorn before, yeah. um, and where that came from, this memory we keep referring because to. Because the, the question you see he, that, he didn't ask her when he said, Is this memory real? She said yes, but he didn't say who does it belong to? And it's her memory. Yeah, she says somebody definitely lived this. And now we know for sure how she would have known that. If if she couldn't tell already by authenticity, right. she'd know because it's her memory. Right, right. Um so she's basically in this in this glass. Maybe she's sick because she's a replicant child, but maybe it's just because they're protecting her in this yeah. dome and making I sure would she lean doesn't die. They're protecting her, but yeah. But regardless, yeah, yeah. one one way or the other, she's that's the child right. of Deckard and Rachel. Right. And you get it. And what's great about it is she's introduced in a really great scene. But you don't have any reason at that point to believe that it's her, yeah. that she's the child. And then later when you find out, it's just a really good oh, reveal. Powerful. And that's yeah. coming from somebody who like lives for reveals. Right. It was really good. So anyway, you find out she's actually the child. Um, Kay is really damaged by this news. Sure. And then a boss tells Kay, hey, um, you... Um, he, she says, you are um, need to do the right thing. You need to kill Deckard before he gives away who the child is because yeah. they're going to torture him and they're going to find out yeah. you need to kill him. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, loving somebody is eliminating them. There's a lot of talk about how to love people right, in this in right. a really cool way. So anyway, Kay is devastated because imagine being given the gift of thinking you're real and have a soul and then finding out after all it was it's all not, fake yeah. and none of it was real. Imagine, I mean, I can't imagine how mind-blowing that would yeah. be. Mm-hmm. So he walks off in total... Total disgust. And he's lost love of his life, too. And he's lost love of his life. Yeah. And then, to really sink the knife in, in this really brilliant way, he walks by this poster, and it's joy, a joy poster, and it's like a different-looking joy. Yeah. And she comes out of the poster and says, you look lonely there. Yeah. Are you doing okay? And basically just, like, starts telling him everything. You, you know, you don't you don't have anybody. Why, why don't I keep you company? I'll tell you everything you want to hear. I'll make you feel like you're amazing. Mm-hmm. And then it, it goes, she, he's like, no thanks, keeps walking. And then it flashes back. And then it's been there the whole time, but this is what shows you. It says, joy. She'll tell you everything you want to be told. She's everything you need, everything you want. And basically it becomes clear to you, he... She wasn't special. He wasn't like a great to her. Yeah. She was just as fake as everything else in his life. Yeah. Um. And all she was doing was telling him what he wanted to hear and nothing more. And it's just the ultimate knife in in the heart. So he gets in his car and he needs to go after Deckard. And at this point, we don't know his motivations, but he goes riding. Right. Um. And he, um. Then we see Love and Deckard in this little space car mm-hmm. flying through some kind of water. Yeah, they're over. Let's not like an ocean, but. Um, they have a brief aerial fight, and then um, the ship sinks, and the rest of the fight takes place more underwater. But in the water, very, around the water, and it's an amazingly executed fight scene. But again, like you said, it's not. Um, it's not this super big, long, spla- you know, bombastic, thing, and it's not. Yeah, not it a, no explosions. No, no, no blood. No. Just it's, punching, uh, meaningful looks, right, right. Um, and the real tension is created by you don't know what his intent, K's intention right, is. Right, right. So is if he, gonna he wins, Deckard, is he or, gonna, right? Yeah, is he yeah. going to kill Deckard or not? Yeah. In the end, um, he wins he the does. fight against Love. It's tough. It he is, almost yeah. dies, but he, he saves Deckard. Her he drowns her and then yeah. saves Deckard. Yeah. Um, and he said, and then finally he says, "Look, uh, I needed. To, I'm glad I saved you because it's time for you to meet your daughter." Yeah. 
Um, and then he takes him to the Staline Corporation, um, and he waits outside, and then you see the snow falling on Kay, and he yeah. just puts his head back, and he's just like, oh, you know, you don't imagine what he's thinking, right. but you realize that he's developed a tremendous amount of humanity, yeah. whether or not he really is a human. Obviously, the movie's all about what it means to be sure. a human, but you see that. And then Harrison Ford is inside, and you do flash to a scene where you see him meet his daughter, and they have the realization that they're daughter and father, right. and that's kind of the end. And there is, an, it's, they don't say it one way or another, but there is an implication that Kay does die there, because... He suffered tremendous wounds there. He lays back and the snow falls. And it's a throwback to um, the original movie when... Batty? Um, uh, when Batty dies. And it's this, um, and he's sort of freezes oh, I hope there. I that's so. not true. I, but, the, but if it is, he goes out on a really high note. And sure. Like, and, so, and, and has developed true humanity. Right. Um, so anyway. So there's but, the yeah. movie. Actually, that I gotta make a little side note yeah. here. For all of all the movies we've seen... I often, unless I had notes, have a hard time knowing all the story you beats and talking about it. it. I couldn't do that. <laughs> that was every single moment from yeah, that, that movie, was. with a couple exceptions. But it doesn't Impressive. speak so much to me being on point as it does to that movie being so compelling, yep. so clear of focus, right. so Having well executed. Yeah. yeah, every scene meant something. Yeah, mm-hmm. every one. Yeah. I remember them all vividly. Yeah, and that's so. impressive. All right, great. Um, um, so, so let's talk about it. Okay. Um, where do you want to start? Let's see. Um, well, let's go back to... Let's talk about Kay first as a character. So, okay. Um, obviously, just looking at the basic hero's journey here, um, we know that from the beginning, this guy is a replicant. He has... Um, Which I was surprised. No, I wasn't told yeah, he was going to be no, from the beginning. Yeah, every, I mean, there was... Well, like I said, we knew nothing coming into this movie as far as yeah. um, plot details. So... Um, I really thought right. he was going to be a human. Right. I did. I thought he was going to be a, right. a human Blade Runner. Oh, I did too. In the future where replicants are, are scarce. Yeah. But for a character to be so intentionally devoid of any humanity, it's an amazing look at how he discovers what human elements he does have. Um, you know, to start off so soulless, but then... Um, and it just it's really a testament to Ryan Gosling's performance. It really is. Um, this it's is by tough. far one of his, uh, if not his it best. It may be his best. I, I would say it's his best. I, th- I would but, say so, yeah, too, now but, that I think about it. The thing about him is when you look at him in every scene, you feel like you know what he's thinking. He does it in a really good way. And at the beginning of the movie, you, you feel the badassery. He's a badass. He's kind of, like, exasperated by his day-to-day life and his job. But he goes through it you know with with resignation yeah you know he's resigned to this life he's okay with it you know everywhere he goes people call him a skinner and a skin yeah. freak and a you know garbage or whatever there's a ton of racism against mm-hmm. uh, uh replicants and and you know he's he's just he's kind of doesn't have a purpose but right. the one thing that does give him purpose at least is like he has a pretty good relationship with his boss and then he comes home and he meets joy who he kind of has you know some feelings for it's like it's a really interesting you know it reminded me a lot of the way that scene was handled and um, especially when they bring in um, the prostitute and the merging there, yeah, it reminded me of her when the movie her when um, they do a thing like that too. Mm-hmm. When Scarlett Johansson wants um, to be real for Joaquin Phoenix, uh-huh. and so they do the same kind of thing. And they're better in this, yeah, you know, much better. But like, um, it kind of it started that concept, and then uh, um, here it kind of builds on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just those subtle moments and um, how he embody the character through his physicality through his facial expressions and especially in your favorite scene one of mine too is when he um meets um 
the doctor Stalene, and uh, yeah. Stalene, and he has that emotional outburst. It's brilliant because it wasn't like it's his first outburst of emotion in the entire movie, and it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel you know out of character at all. It was just a really it's jarring though. Yes, I felt uncomfortable. Jarring. Oh, and and I think it's meant to um, invoke that reaction. Um, so that was just brilliantly handled, but he, um, just throughout, um, he's amazing at not overplaying it or yes, overselling it. Yes. The thing that would have happened so easily in this movie with a less talented actor mm-hmm. is it would have been oversold, yep. over facially gesticulated, overplayed. Oh, I have no nothing to live for. Oh, oh, right, oh, yeah. so easily, so easily, yeah. and instead you get very well that 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 the internal turmoil and conflict and yeah. it really sells this concept of replicants as 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 real people yeah. and you know I, I saw Harrison Ford and I might reference this a couple times talking about this on Charlie Rose and he basically said it is about what makes us human yeah and you know that concept of what is a soul and 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 how do you become human what does it take to be human what's interesting is that neander conversely was born human i think we think yeah Mm -hmm. but he's turned himself completely soulless right so interestingly k you know becomes basically more human than human if not as human as human oh absolutely and and then neander it's like neander starts out of human goes and and then gosling is born in human and then discovers humanity he certainly yeah. does um and the decisions that he makes demonstrate right. that right uh, but anyway his performance is, is amazing oh, and, yeah. and 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 like his reticence to have sex mm-hmm. with the prostitute mm-hmm. because he's really in love with joy he's loyal yeah he's he just has every great quality and he doesn't oversell them right. i think is the way to put it and it's very easy to because he doesn't have very many of those outbursty scenes like you mentioned in Stalin's office it's easy to say that like it's pretty much a one-note performance, I don't but think it's so it's not in any way, and not you can all. see it all over his face the whole time. Yeah, um, it's just so well done. I yeah. mean, I, it, and and like you said, the physicality and the fights he sells them so well. Right, right. Um, it's great. So right. anyway, uh, Ryan, I think uh, the guy we went to see the movie with, um, also he made the comment when we left. He said it was the Ryan Gosling show. Oh yeah, and it totally yeah. was. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was his movie. He's on scene on screen maybe two and a half hours <laughs> at two forty four. Yeah, um, like the, almost the entire time. Like the only times he's not in it were the. The Anderson oh, scenes. scenes, yeah, yeah, and that's really interesting. They never come face to face, or do I do? do no, they no, yeah, they don't. They don't. You're wow, right. I don't really even know that. No, they don't because the only Neander scenes are um, there's the one where he's introduced briefly. Then there's the one with him in love and the replicant who he kills. And then, of course, the one the scene with Deckard. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. I that, that. In a way. It's actually parallel storylines that never intersect yep. because it's really K and the Deckard thing and right. K versus love. Right. It's never K versus Neander no. directly, and because, that's really because K isn't against Neander's motivations. No, no. he doesn't say, "Ooh, I don't want I there take to be down the Wallace Corporation," right? Or yeah. I don't want there to be replicants colonizing. Right. It's never about that, right. which is fascinating and it really, really unique. I didn't even think about how different this is. Like when you talk about the Freitag pyramid, right? And you know the rising and uh, climax and falling action—they're—they're yeah. they're kind of like uh, askew from one another yeah. of the two characters in a really interesting way. It's no, because he could care less about all that. It's more—he's more interested on in discovering who the child is of, uh, and if he yeah. it's him, it's and his then, in, internal. And when story. he doesn't, and when he finds out that it's not him, then you know to protect the child and um, reunite her with Deckard. So it's—it's it's really fascinating. But yeah, it's I true. Agree. That's yeah. definitely true. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about um, uh, obviously Neander Wallace, great yeah. character. Sure. 
um, very, very much like in 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh, another comment that was made when we walked out was, I wonder if Jared Leto's going to be pissed I said, that yeah, he's I was, only in three scenes. Apparently, that, no. I So, I have a friend that I went to college with who was actually in L.A. when this came out, and so he was at a showing that Jared Leto actually introduced the movie, and I mean, Grant, he's in front of thousands of people sure. there, but so he was very humble about it and everything and was very proud of the film and never made any comments like that, but I just, in the back of my mind, I'm just... I'm wondering if he... I mean, everybody's got a public and, and private self. Um, and, you know, it is. it does yeah. seem like he's being, like, the 15 minutes in a movie right. king lately, right, which is right. fine, though. Um, but, but anyway, he his, his role is yeah. great. Again, yeah. though, not overstated. Um, sure. Nothing in this movie really is, is... You know what? The most brash thing is probably Deckard. Deckard is the yeah. most animated, emotional, loud, yeah. mm-hmm. I would say, of anything in it. Most of it is very stifled in an interesting oh, way. Are you, oh, you really? Me too. There's not much else to do around here. Like, just those kind of lines. Gruff, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, I mean, it's, which is, I mean, because that's who he is in the original. And I mean, and I mean, it, that's another thing. He doesn't come in until um, the last uh, act of the movie. And so um, you knew that the scenes he was going to be in were going to be very it was gonna charismatic. And yeah. Gonna, yeah. And, so it's as to be expected, but it was pretty fun that he got the more, you know, like, character aspects, that, you know. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So anyway, so... Um, but let's... going back to Neander, yeah. so, um, yeah, that like we said, it is kind of a plot hole as to exactly what... Why he wants this child for. so much. Right, right, so much, and, you know, I mean, yeah, see, we get that he wants power and all this, but um, was there anything that... You know, is it just that he went mad after all these years of yeah, running this of corporation? creating life. Which and, would make sense, because, yeah. I mean, he lives in extremely isolated life. He lives in this little lair, and, um, and think, he's creepy. And so that kind of isolation is going, and power and mad is going to lead you to I, madness. I think the only way to really look at it, and I think we've kind of come to this in talking yeah. about it, is that it's grandiosity. Yeah, He yeah. has cr- done the impossible with right. these replicants he's evolved them he sees himself kind of like david right in, right uh, uh, covenant he's oh, yeah, a creator yeah. he he's created and i saw um, this tweet the other day yeah. that said like um between alien covenant exodus gods and kings um and now blade runner 2049 ridley scott is like obsessed with the whole creator versus creation thing oh yeah for sure uh, yeah um but 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 the uh the point of him wanting to be able to control life in this next iteration yeah or maybe destroy it yeah. we don't know yeah um maybe his real motive probably not that's that's silly but maybe his real motivation is to kill the child also because he wants to be the only one that can create yeah probably not um, but it, it's just that he wants control over this, and it, and it drives him crazy that he's the ultimate replicant master, and yet he doesn't understand secrets of replicants that Tyrell uncovered. Right. Um, and so he feels inferior, and right. it pisses him off. Right, right. So I think that's more the motivation. I, yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, and they don't, and you don't want to have him saying, "Damn that Tyrell, right, I'm right. better than him," because right. that would just be unsubtle. And this movie's all about being subtle sure. and the right proportions sure, sure. um okay so neander is really well done although there isn't tons of it but he pulls yeah, it off but, well. uh, he gave an incredible performance just in the um just in the creepiness of it and you know, his physicality and especially that interaction with um the replicant who he kills it's just so chilling and so terrifying and yeah and he does it fantastically so you said you liked love in this yeah because i i what i mean it's really interesting so she's um, you know, his assistant that, um, at first seems very innocent. Well, not like totally innocent because she, I mean, she works directly with him. So obviously there's going to be some darkness to her, 
but still there's an empathy to her because you see her really heartbroken when he kills the or yeah. interrupt that even though um she is just a machine there he's just newborn but um and um so that you know the tears in her eyes and um is very compelling but then once she goes into mission mode she's just brutal she slaughters robin wright um she yeah. comes and takes down um a bunch of Kay and um and kidnaps deckard and there's also and... an earlier scene where just to let Kay and i don't go into all the details yeah, but yeah. to just let Kay continue his investigation right and explore this um orphanage she she destroys like 150 people yeah, with yeah, these yeah. missiles that yeah. come from the sky yep. so she's omnipotent in a way yep. and it's like she doesn't even realize what she's doing right i forgot um, about the missile thing yeah it's yeah, really yeah. interesting but yeah she's yeah. just a she's a slaughterer oh yeah but yet she seems like she really cares for her people right so it's an interesting it, it it plays along with the concept of people want their race to flourish yep. and the humanity or whatever that means right. of replicants and then the way they feel about each other. And, and, and that's the thing, the replicant revolution and the Wallace Corporation are two sides of the same spectrum and they're both kind of fighting for the same thing of just order and preservation but in different ways, you know. Yeah. The Wallace Corporation thinks let's expand, expand, expand more and colonize everything we can and um, if that means we have to, you know, slaughter this right or kidnap the child here of replicant let's do it whereas the replicant revolution he, he, he sees them as the evil ones and right. um so it's just but they're both willing about, to do absolutely harsh yes, things absolutely. like for example the replicant um um agus or whatever her name was i forget already um she like, killed Deckard. yeah right mm -hmm. so yeah. all right so let's talk about some of the other ones um obviously we loved love she was great yeah um the uh, the, the woman who played Joy was oh, a tour gosh. de force performance. That was amazing. Um, that was ridiculous. Um, so that was great. Um, I I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, there was tones in the prostitute girl. I hate to keep calling her that, but there were tones in her of um, the. Wait, let me see if I can find her here. Um, I think this is her. Hiyama. Oh no, that's a boss. She, yeah. Um, she's a boss. By the way, is played. Oh, that's oh no, the actress. that's the actress's yeah, yeah, name. Exactly. Um, yeah. Fresa is her name. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but the girl, um, the anyway, the girl that he has sex with, yeah. she has tones of that girl uh, from the first film, um, uh, Batty's girlfriend. Yeah. They for, um, look kind of alike. Is, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They, they look kind they of really alike. They really do, yeah. In an interesting way. She's like a sort of Harley Quinn-esque character in the, in the original. and Yeah, I, that's very true. Okay, so let's talk about... Um, some of the our favorite scenes. Okay. Um, so I love. Let me let me actually look at some of the things that I wanted to say about this movie because there were yeah. a couple like distinct things. Um, let's see. I go ahead and talk about the opening because I okay. just. I mean, let's talk about that. Because again, what I love about twenty forty nine is that with the original, it's set just pretty much entirely in LA, and um, again, you get the neo noir aesthetic and everything, but. Um, and it's wonderful, but it's pretty much that same kind of setting throughout. Um, and the only real um, difference in scenery is when we get to Batty's lair at the end. But with this one, right from the opening, we're introduced to something totally new. And we get all these different layers of the world. And here in the opening scene, we get this um, desolate farmland with, you know, there's only one tree here. And there's snow falling. And um, Dave Bautista just lives in a very simple a little house there off the farmland and um and it's there's it's quiet it's subtle there's no real music accompanying the fight it's very gritty and um just straight to the point 
Um, so that was one of my, I mean, right from the get go, we, the tension is built. Uh, it, you know, we, I think everyone expected it to open with, um, a Blade Runner hunting down a replicant, but it's so different from, um, what we had seen before. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. Yeah, no, that scene was great. Yeah. Um, I think that the way that the guns sound, yeah. Um, in fact, the sound design in general. We'll talk about music in a second. Sure, sure. But the sound design in general of the way that that things sound and yeah. and, and and come across is so well done. The doof, doof, yes. I mean, it just has this punch to yep, it. Yeah. It's just like, damn, that yeah. guy just got. It was. It's like a the way they blast. It's like yeah. a cross between a punch and a shot. Right. Right. In this really good way, and it's just oh man, it just right. takes people down. Right. And it just gives you this 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 impactful feeling in a way that like a normal gunshot doesn't in a movie i just was like damn that was painful and right. damn you just fucked that guy up i mean it really hits right it really hits hard um the little choreography that there is because there isn't a ton of action in this movie no, actually uh, yeah. interestingly yeah. um but when but, there is action it's really punchy and hard hitting and yep. intense and really goes balls to the wall like people are stabbing each other in the gut and strangling them to death and punching them in the face 15 times in a row yeah. over and over and over again in these in these relatively short scenes um like Deckard he punches Ryan Gosling like 10 times oh, in yeah. the face before they calm down and Ryan just like comes back because obviously they're rep- he's a replicant right. and stronger um same thing with um um uh, Batista's character yeah so um, and it's evident of the director's work on Sicario and Prisoners and these great action thrillers that um just punch. deliver that same kind of um effect and um he's the cinema great cinematographer Roger Deakins who's worked with him on all of his films um is back for this and oh i mean just every that was one of your first comments leaving was the cinematography was just ridiculous yeah um the way it looks um so let me talk about a couple other scenes and then we'll talk about some of the more um that kind of stuff so another scene that i obviously loved was um the scene with the two women and and you know when they come into one um What's great about it is, so the girl comes in and she's kind of just like, hey, what's up? Do what you want with me, yeah, yeah. you know? And it's it's kind of rough to see that. Right. We later realize that it's for a bigger cause, that she's doing it. It's mm-hmm. not just that she's like a money person. Um, but it it the way she, she stands there and becomes a canvas for Joy to be overlaid on her. And what they do so brilliantly with Joy and with a lot of things that are flashed on, so instead of this movie being about perfect technology that executes things perfectly, it's a movie about technology that's rough and jagged, much like Blade Runner was. So the car is like this Peugeot that's kind of beat up. It's got future tech in it, but it's beat up and rusted and broken. And Joy is this AI and she's super high tech and she learns stuff and she talks to you, but she doesn't actually cook in your kitchen for you. She doesn't actually have the ability to like look real. She looks almost real. She's right. she's she's got a almost becomes opaque but she's still got translucency to her and when you try to hold her hand like it flickers a little bit um so there's like that 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 visible disconnect between the unreal and the real and and the same thing and then this scene it's never seen better than this beautiful scene and the music is just like like thumping and resonant and and moody and, and and just so many things while the two images come together and then the scene it, it's just and you don't know who you're looking at yeah, when yeah. you see her face appear like joy's face it's like they become 
one. It's not Joy's face, and it's not the new the the prostitute girl's face. It's sure. they're both one. Right. And and then they they kind of jar out and in, and you don't know what you're looking at exactly. But then you do. Whose body is that? Whose face is that? Who's and and, and just that was this, the thing I expected to be. They're the fully merged together. I did too. There, and the way it do, doesn't do that. It never they, does that because she even she leads it. She says she says, "Wait a second, stay still. I need to sync with mm-hmm. you." And so they let you. That's so they they lead you yeah. to have what you just said, and then brilliantly diverge from it. Yep. Like, nope, there's not real sync here. They yeah. can't ever fully sync, um, and that's awesome. So that scene to me was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I think the really awesome thing too was the was I always want to say dream builder, the the memory builder. The, oh, I call her the oracle, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah the memory yeah. builder girl, yeah, yeah. and she. Um, Staline, and the, and she has this little tool. It looks like a really high tech camera thing, and she twists it around. It's around her neck, kind of like a photographer's camera would be. And as she spins it, she's like bringing up these images. And one of the most compelling ones is of like kids at a birthday party. And I guess she has like a library of like kids' faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes scrolling through it, much like you would in Photoshop, and like picks different kids' pictures. Uh, builds them around in like a circle and makes a cake. And then she breathes in. And as she breathes in, all the children breathe in too. So it's almost like she can act it out to yeah. give the memory life. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculously cool. Yeah. And then she breathes out and then she goes, and then all the kids are breathing out almost in sync. So again, there's this idea of real person in sync with fantasy um, or illusion. And then the, the candles blow out on the cake. And then she talks about how it's all about details in life uh, that make uh, that make. Oh, but but she also says people think that memories are about exact things and specificity, but they're mm-hmm. not. Um, they're about a feeling, and they're and there's just so much to this movie. Sure. Originally, when I when I went into this conversation and when I was done seeing the movie, I thought to myself, this is not the kind of movie I want to see a bunch of times because it's. It's intense and it's a lot to absorb. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. it's an experience for sure. Yeah. But now that I talk about it, there's just I bet you there's so much more uh, meaning and and more layers to it than. Well, than and I the second thought. time, because I'm gonna go see it again on Friday, and I think the second time, one you don't have to spend as much time trying to follow the plot. Like, um, I can really just bask in the visuals of it as well. And but I'm sure I'm gonna pick up on things as far you know thematic elements and. Um, just other, you know, Little especially stuff. now that I know the story going in. You know? Exactly. And, and more foreshadowing because you know what's coming, right, right, what's been right. foreshadowed. Exactly. Um, so I'd say those are my favorite scenes. I like the one with the water washing over them a lot. Um, I like, let's see what else did I really like in it. Um, I like the, the orphanage world. scene was really interesting. The orphanage too. scene was cool. Yeah. I like that Lenny James popped up in that. That was cool. Yeah. Who's that? He, he's, he's in Walking Dead in the for oh, like um he's in the, the earlier yeah um but um there was I mean not a whole lot to it but it was interesting too yeah it was um, this concept of um the place where uh, Celine potentially grew up or yeah. was hidden was this yeah. orphanage where they basically exploit child labor in the future um using these little shaved head children yeah, yeah. um and there's a, there's allusions to that later when you see the replicant revolutionaries and they kind of a lot of them have shaved heads right and right. it's interesting it's almost like they're, they're, they draw it draws a parallel between you know this very clear abuse that these children are suffering against these replicants who also sort of have suffered tremendous discrimination and abuse and right, the right. potential of extermination previously. Right. So it's just an it's just another interesting little visual. It's just interesting view. how little of the movie actually takes place in the city itself that is really the main backdrop of the original. Here, you know, where it still it still lives in L.A. and 
Um, he's got, and you know, there's some great scenes there, especially at his apartment and um, and at the police and station the ones, and at the station, and then um, when he meets the girl out in the like when um, out at a bar or whatever. But um, aside from that, most of it takes place in all these other locations, right? Um, and probably you know the most compelling and just visually striking is when he goes to find Deckard and um so you want to talk about that uh, like, yeah yeah because um basically I yeah, mean, that was a great scene. I don't know how to describe it. it's like Tatooine meets I don't even know I know like, what it is it's like Tatooine meets one of those deserts where you see like like sculptures that used to exist yeah that like crumbled and then there's like down. palace kind of because he lives in an I mean it really is like this uh, palace of just um, and he, uh, you look at all the books he has, and then he has, you know, the going back to Elvis all... thing. He has these um, holographic concerts playing from like you know the fifties and sixties. So Elvis will be on stage saying, yeah. "I can't help falling in love," but yet again, yeah. it flickers and yeah. it's it's not right. Right, right. But it's uh, that whole scene is just so well executed. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting too. Fighting, Everything you see. Talking, oh gosh. I mean, th- there's a dog who's yeah. cool and yes. just doing doggy things. Deckard does something very original, Blade Runner, in that he takes the whiskey he's drinking and he spills some on the ground for the dog yeah. to lick up yep. in a way that like a grizzled detective might. Yep. Yep. Um, it, it, it's it's definitely cool. Um, it's very like I said, Sandy. It's one of the main scenes I remember seeing in the movie because I'm mm-hmm. in the trailer because I know the trailer really wanted to show us Deckard. Um, and when it does, it, it, it really made me think, wow, that's kind of like an unpalatable, unpleasant place to be. But you're there just long enough. Right. And what's good about it, too, is now that I think back on it, is that spending time there would be kind of unpleasant. So it's almost like it oh, shows yeah. you how... He's been living all this time. Yeah, his 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 enforced solitude yeah. and isolation that he's had to do out of love for his child. Yeah. Um, and it really demonstrates how unpleasant it might be there. And he's found ways to have comfort, right? But he's grizzled, still, and you can see that that environment—it's per- a perfect he has backdrop. No interaction with anyone, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's a perfect backdrop for him because it's rough, and so yep. is he. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford, being older now, you you know he looks a little rougher. He's still a good-looking dude, but he looks rougher and right. more grizzled. And this environment is a perfect backdrop for that. But just the way the color palette is unique to that scene versus what it is in the opening, and then in L.A., there is such a diversification there. And it's so compelling how all that world building is executed um, throughout the movie. It's just, you know, we're going from one location to the next. And then, well, let's talk about um, Wallace's lair, too, because it's oh, like, yeah. oh, gosh. Like, I don't even know how to describe this. It's like, so, it, um, you know, the only people we see there at the inhabiting it are Wallace and Love. Um, of course, he has to have other employees. Well, but, he has one other employee, oh, okay, we see, yeah, with a bald yeah, head, yeah, but yeah, he's right. just this dude. So one yeah. part part of it, I would say, if I had to describe Wallace's like place... It's dude and... It's, uh, it's postmodern, for yeah, sure. Very yeah, modern. Yeah. Nothing country-ish about sure. it. It's all um, very sterile. Yes. Um, so so yeah. there's hallway after hallway when they're looking for the, right. the, the, the data. The da- yeah. Hallway after hallway after hallway. They're a little dusty, but generally just like sanitary and and, and no emotion. Right. Just complete coldness and execution and, like and function. golden color palette. Um, that, really well, some weird. places. Like, in some yeah. places it's a bluish, blackish. Sure, sure. Um, and there's almost like like illuminated blue light coming up from these yeah, sides, yeah. and it's like there's like they'll be standing on a platform in the middle, but mm-hmm. around it there'll be water, yeah, and like it, this mood lighting. It's kind of like if you go to like a very wealthy building in L.A. right now, kind right, of what right. it looks like when you're in the waiting room, sure. and they want to give the best impression. But that's where like he lives, and then 
um, the other trappings of him. So obviously he's got this little light on his head where you can put implants next to it and it gives him abilities. And what are those abilities? We don't know. Mm -hmm. But it creates this cool thing like when, when he wants to interact with the replicant he created, she puts one of these in that looks like it has a Chinese character on it. It's like a piano key almost. It clicks into his head. And then he has these two little machines. They're black and they yeah. fly around and maybe they're cameras, maybe they're extrasensory perceivers, maybe they're who knows what. They don't know. Um, yeah. But it's so cool that there's all those little details and throughout yeah. that environment it's full of lack of details but also very important ones as well sure and uh, yeah it's it's you're right it's a really cool area yeah um and then you know his actual layer back in the it's just it's very confined and there's not much light there and you know he lives in the shadows and um we don't even see much of his surroundings there as far as you know he has his chair in the center um, but yeah, it's it's just fascinating. I can't imagine what his life is like. It, yeah. it looks terrible. Yeah. Um, he's got but this... he's gone so mad that you know he just yeah that he's always looking ahead and in pursuit. Like, yeah, yeah right. he may be immortal at this point. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, a lot about him is kept ambiguous in a really good way. Sure. sure. Um, because he becomes much scarier when we don't know what he's capable of right. in certain ways. I don't know his power level. I don't know how strong he is. Can he make the world explode at the touch of a button? We yeah, don't really yeah. know. Yeah. And that wasn't the point, you know? So, sure. that, so that's really cool. I'm trying to think if there's any other scenes. Um, obviously, the Stellene Corporation inside is really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like a hollow deck where, you know... White background, kind of, yeah. But then, like, yeah. images appear, and she can be... When you first get there, she's in the forest, like, taking pictures of plants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So even though she's trapped in this dome, she can go anywhere, at least within reason. And in another way, it's kind of like the prison that replicants are in, now that I yeah, think about it. Yeah, that's... There's yeah. so yeah. much imagery and symbolism and, sure. and, and, and thematic stuff that's, that's just fascinating. And then the replicant revolution, they live... Uh, the resistance, like... Um, they live like underground, kind of, you know, like typical kind of underground revolutions. We don't, we're not there for long, so I don't, I try to remember exactly what that environment looks like, but um, it's obviously pretty isolated and you know, um, underground revolution. So one thing I want to talk touch on is yeah. something that this movie does that a lot of movies don't do, and that is that it's a really interesting mix of two feelings. It's a mix of these... I wrote it out right after we left because I wanted okay. to get the wording right. Sure. I said, watching Blade Runner, I was taken by how there are narrative normal story beats. Yeah. And they're punctuated by like these Blade Runner-y dreamlike moments. Yeah. And absolutely. then back. And they're one after another, like a beautiful dreamlike organized chaos of emotion and fact. Yep. That's... So, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. So yeah. all of a sudden you're having this, like, this, this surreal moment where you're connecting with the character and, and there's this music and it. it's a lot of like... Like bassy buzzing, like sure, and it like comes up and it and it makes you feel your your emotions swell, and then it'll go into a moment where uh, Stalin is explaining how memories work, sure, and then it'll go back into his head and sure, and like it, it just, just and back best, and forth. And the best science fiction story should be that the perfect culmination of intelligence and heart, and yeah, you know the um, analyzing the sort of the mechanics of emotion and. Um, true. You know, well said. Yeah. Very um, true. Yeah. Very, very true. And I think it takes the heart in this and it does like the Blade Runner thing, which is it makes it dreamlike heart. Yeah. Very much of what they want to do, it seems like, with both of these movies is is draw a distinction between um, the way it would feel to be grounded and connected to the ground like mm -hmm. we as humans feel yeah. and 
this 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 unconnectedness that the replicants have and the whole movie does that with this dreamlike way that k is always kind of wandering through yeah a dreamlike scenario he doesn't know what's real and yep. what's not and yeah um, it's it's, oh, it's it's great. It's, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Okay, a couple other things. Let's talk about music. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if we can somehow quantify that ridiculous... You did really make a really interesting point um, that, you know, go uh, right before it started, you were like, man, I can't wait to hear the classic Blade Runner theme and yeah. all that and all that. It's very little connection to the original soundtrack. When, um, when you see a movie like Str- a show like Stranger Things, yeah, yeah. there's more Blade Runner traditional music in that than, than there is in here. this. Right. So, like, w- when I hear notes that sound like that, that very staccato thing that they did back in Blade Runner, and it basically originated. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in this movie, it's always threatening to happen, but it never quite happens. There's much more like longer notes that that are drawn out. And and actually, it's another thing I wrote down. As I was leaving the theater, I walked by the IMAX theater, and you know IMAX, like they turn the volume to 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole place was rattling with that bassiness, that... And it was just like, I, I could... I immediately was transported back, and sure, I was like sure. thinking of the people in there experiencing that scene yep. for the first time, yep. and, and and the emotional resonance that it had, and the way you feel when you heard it, and sure. oh, it's just so good. And this I was mean, two composers. I can you pull up the name of the yeah. Other? Hans Zimmer fin- came in in the last few months and um, did it, but I forget the first composer. Yeah, I'll name. get it. Yeah, but, um, but um, so that was cool. But um, but I mean, it's Hans Zimmer, so of course it's gonna have. You know, an amazing effect. Uh, like Benjamin a... Walfisk. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's probably, yeah, the cross between the two of them. Sure. But they never take the cheap way out. In no. fact, this movie in general never does, like, direct heartstring pulls. No, the no. closest thing is the Rachel thing, which was a stroke of genius. It was brilliant. So, yeah. I mean, that scene, I, I mean, when he's, I, I just can't believe they got the CG that good. Yeah. It doesn't break the uncanny valley no, they, at all. I was like, really... wait a minute, what? Why is she there? How, 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 how how did they do that? Yeah, and and it turns out kind of like when they had Tarkin and uh, oh yeah, yeah, just like that except the <laughs> fucking opposite because Tarkin looks fucking ridiculous. I mean, what a difference a year makes, or maybe they just have better si- uh, better um, um, animators. Yeah, or whatever. I think they just did it better. They yeah. just did it straight up yeah. better, and yeah. it didn't break. I mean, it looked like her, and they yeah. zoom right in on her face. And it's perfect because she's not in it much, so they didn't have to like. Um, and she's like, very still. She's a replicant. Very still, and yeah, it that's true. Really she well. didn't have to say yeah. anything. Now that yeah. we think about it, that's a great point you yeah. just made. Actually, yeah. that really is the secret to unlocking yeah. how they did it so well. Yeah. They yeah. just had to map one visual look. Right. Didn't Tarkin, have to they had him talking like multiple scenes throughout and, the movie. You're and so it was right. Really weird. That, yeah. Now, on top of the fact that you know a year or two does make a difference, on top of the fact they probably had better artists on this. Sure. You're right. Then the lack of complexity and what she had to do makes yeah. a big difference. Sure, you're so sure. right about that. Um, but anyway, so that that was really cool. Um, but the music, like it just, it was it was gorgeous. Now it's very hard to to sort of music's experiential in a way sure. that's very hard to talk about. I've heard music podcasts talk in depth about music, but it's very difficult to do, and you'd really have to sit down and listen to it and understand it on a music. I would level. think you have more insight because you wasn't a band, and, right? But yeah, but. but even still. It's very hard to really quantify why the music sure. was so good. I would just say that it's it's got a long of long a lot of long sustained notes that kind of change and fluctuate and and um, they 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 incite an emotion in you and then they 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 let they la- they connect to you with like with this emotion and then they like kind of pull you along yeah. in an interesting yeah, that's way. A really, yeah. the best way I could put it. No, but no, no. it is uh, it's really a sight to behold. Sure. Um, another thing about this movie is that interestingly. 
Um, it didn't feel super short, but it certainly didn't feel long. No, I mean, and it's no just point- shy of three hours, but... That was the thing. Even with the pacing being what it is, it is slow pacing. Yes. A lot, but you're intrigued the whole time. And as evidenced by just how much you've been talking about it, I mean, and uh, it just, every scene leaves such an impact on you. It does. You They're all good. I never looked at my phone once. No, you know, no scene like sucks. No. There's no, no scene where I'm like, all right, well, yeah, this is kind of boring. Yeah, no. Or no, every scene had so much to it, and yeah. it was so. It wasn't a movie like a lot of times when I'll see a three-hour movie, I'll be like, you know, they could have cut, cut that this scene. Down, yeah, Not yeah, this sure. one. No. Not at all. That's the thing. I don't want a director's or a final cut on this because it's as perfect as it is. It is perfect. They yeah. they really nailed it. Um, I think another interesting thing for us to look at is um, Denis uh, Villeneuve. Yeah. Villeneuve, Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is like looking at his his oeuvre or whatever his 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 work his, his body yeah, of yeah, work yeah yeah um, and comparing it um, I think this film towers over Arrival um, I, oh, I, definitely I know you Arrival, liked Arrival yeah. more than me I, I liked it but no oh gosh I think this I mean this is just pff, actually if I had to rank them it would be so this is his best I still think Prisoners is his second best um, Prisoners is excellent it was fantastic then Arrival and then Sicario Sicario, I really like. I too, haven't but seen like, it. Sicario is good. It's not like it, um, I mean, it's a very visceral action thriller that um has a great performance from Benicio del Toro um and several others in it. But it didn't have the same impact on me as you know, um, Arrival grew on me more. Um, still don't love it nearly as much as this, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, and then Prisoners, I still really like, and I think it's criminally underrated. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, this was by far the culmination of everything he's done. From visceral action to compelling sci-fi to character-driven pieces, all of that beautifully woven together um, into something that is a great standalone sci-fi film and also a great sequel. You know, yeah, we saw it with somebody who hadn't seen Blade Runner, right? And he still really had it. Yeah, I mean, he had the same blown away look on his face afterwards. Sure, um, that that we did. One thing I think the good way to close the conversation down would be to talk about the comment that I've heard a lot. Um, that it's the greatest sequel ever made um, and why that is and looking at it in the context of the Blade Runner quote sure. franchise and I'm going to start by saying that what makes it such a great sequel is number one it doesn't ruin the first one yeah it takes it doesn't take anything like the fact whether rep- Deckard's a replicant or not and reveal it even hearing an interview with Harrison Ford he basically said well you know in this one in, uh, he goes I think I think the first film it doesn't matter if he's a replicant or not and that's what makes it great and in this one maybe that'll come up and maybe you'll learn a little more about yeah, that yeah. you don't yeah um it's always left ambiguous that's one big thing that makes it great but I think the thing that really makes it the greatest sequel ever made or one of the best one sequels of, ever yeah. made yeah. is the fact that it, it delivers incredibly deep new meaning on the first movie in a way that doesn't destroy the first movie. And here's what I mean yeah. by that. The concept that is suggested by Wallace that, in fact, the whole first movie was a setup by Tyrell. Yeah. You don't have to believe it because this could be what Wallace was saying to sure. manipulate him or not. Sure. However, it, le- it leaves the possibility, and I think it's probably the case, yeah, that, would... that you know, it's like you could watch Blade Runner, and Blade Runner is what it is. But once you watch this movie, Blade Runner changes. Big time. And it becomes about Deckard and Rachel and the fact that they were meant to create the first replicant child. Yeah. And that fact that, it, that this whole movie cro- is, is built around that idea in a way 
that movie is the motivation for this entire film. Right. But at the same time, this entire film can exist on its own without any issues. And that's, and that's what makes it so good. What it's gonna do. So I would say definitely best sequel of 21st century. If we're looking at pre-2000s, it's got to compete with Empire Strikes Back and Godfather 2. Sure. So that's a lot of... That's, oh, that's gosh, tough. Yeah. It's up there, yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I mean, certainly in that, that in that conversation, then apps, I mean, it's remarkable that it's having that effect and um i definitely i mean i was incredibly moved and um again it's leaving me with all these questions i mean just the fact that it did all that and still doesn't give you a clear definition of the you know question that's been lurking in the minds of viewers since of whether or not Deckard is a replicant, that's really fascinating. And how um, brilliant is it that it doesn't matter? Yeah. How did they really pull that off? It's no. just so well done. Yeah. Um, and even the way that this one leaves it, so it even leaves it so there could be a third one. I know. There probably right. shouldn't be. I, I would prefer not to get, especially yeah. if K is dead, then that would really suck to not, he wouldn't be in the third one. Well, that, I mean, yeah, you know, that's then, true. But, that's true. Or they could make a new K. I right, mean, right. That's the thing that's so great, is they took that first movie and they could have gone in any number of directions. Sure. And almost never, when I watch a sequel, do I say to myself, I, I, I almost always say, I would have done it different. Yeah, I yeah. would have this that was okay, but this would have been better. Right. Even something like Covenant, I was like, I like what they did, yeah, but, but I, I would have done this. this. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Right. This is not a movie like that. Yeah. This is a movie where I think they made the absolute, to a T, best version of Blade Runner 2 yeah. that could have been made. And that's saying something. Now, again, I didn't want 2 to come out. So I, here I am still not wanting 3. Yeah. However, if you think about it, the replicant revolution is introduced. That's the thing. The, cons- the child is there. Harrison Ford is still very much alive and very well, empowered. corporation is still thriving. Thriving, yeah. right. It, it changed nothing. It broke nothing. Um, it wasn't really about... Even though these are things that could change the world, it wasn't the world wasn't aware this is no. all going on. Nope. It was all like a and microcosm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's the really fascinating thing. But um, yeah, if they ever do make one, I, I better hope Denny comes back for it because oh, yeah. his next project is Dune, so that's gonna take some time. Um, is it but, really? Yeah. Oh my and god. That, oh my is god. That exciting? Yeah, I know. He and went I, sci-fi hard. I have a, oh, I know. He I went have a, hard. I didn't know that was his next project. I have a friend who... He, he just has, made my day with that news. Yeah, I know. I have a friend who his first sci-fi novel is coming out next summer, and he tweet, and he's a huge Blade Runner fan and everything, and he tweeted that, oh, this, uh, it, this makes me so excited about Dune, I may cry when I come, like when I'm watching that, because oh, this I mean, is going to be so good. Well, yeah. the, he's just his attention yeah. to detail, and oh, gosh. I just yeah. think that he, as a filmmaker, I haven't seen Sicario, yeah. but looking at Prisoners, and then Arrival, and yeah. then this one, the subtlety, yeah. the, I mean, there are parts of, as great as Prisoners is, there are parts of it that look a little novice, yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying I could have done it better, sure, sure. but I am saying that as a I mean, viewer who's seen 20... a lot of movies... 2013 i think yeah as someone who's seen a lot of movies there are certain amateur moves that i see in the plotting in the in the in the way that some of the lines are delivered in the way that some of the film way the film is shot that i don't see in this this is like a seasoned as good as you could get filmmaker even arrival had some things that i was like ah it's a little yeah yeah mm." sure but this one there's nothing like that so imagine what dune will be like i know and dune is one of those things again that is impossible to please anybody, but it seems like maybe if anybody could, it would be it yeah. would be him. Yeah. Wow, that's great news. Yeah, it is. That's cool. Yeah. Um, also, as a quick side note, I know because yeah. screenwriters don't get enough um, credit for anything to do. I just want to say that. So Hampton Fencher was um, was the main writer of this one. He's the screenwriter of the original, um, but also his is, co-writer. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, he he wrote the story and um, co-wrote the screenplay on this. Oh my god, um, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. Uh, oh was, my god, you just blew my mind. Yeah. Even. 
but also his co-writer on this, Michael Green, I just have to give him a shout out because he's written or co-written four of the biggest projects of this year. He co-created American Gods, he co-wrote Logan, co-wrote this, and he wrote the screenplay for the upcoming um, Murder on the Orient Express. So he's done all four of those projects. The guy's brilliant. I yeah. heard him on a podcast. There's a great podcast called Showrunners where him and... Um, Brian Fuller. Yeah. Talk about yeah, yeah. American Gods. And the yeah. two of them, I mean, they're, yeah. they're a powerhouse. Yeah. But I didn't know Michael Green was, was that prolific. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, that is. Because when you hear them talk about American Gods, the joke yeah. they make is... And I think I talked about this. The joke they make is... Being a showrunner is the stupidest job in the world right. because it's too much work. You can never do it. Right. And, and for him to do that and all this, and all that. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah. And for yeah. him to do that and all this, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. And to it, to be so good anyway. Yeah. I am. I, I am so interested to hear what you said about the famed screenwriter. Yeah. I did not know that, and yep. it makes so much sense now yep. that I hear it. Why this movie? And it was you a know perfect culmination of. New and old blood. I mean, exactly. Ridley Scott's producing. Hampton Fisher is the main writer. One of the best up and coming modern right. act, uh, directors. And they bring in, one, yeah, a modern auteur who Blade Runner is one of his favorite movies, and he was able to bring something new to it that also, you know, is a great love letter to the original without just retreading beats of the original. I think that says it perfectly. And I also would say that it's not even necessary to try to give this a score. Yeah, no. It, it's, it's just, it is what it is. You have to experience it's it. It's just perfect, yeah. and, and you just go see it, and that's yeah. all there is to say. Yeah. Um, okay, well... Jordan, go see it. Uh, yeah, yeah, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, and when you do, write a third host column. Yes, and, do and, it. And if you, I dare you to not like this movie. <laughs> I know, we, we should. We should bet it with them. Okay, okay. Um, so on that note, let's talk about what we're going to be seeing soon. I okay. want to see Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day is next. On a very different note. Oh, very much. I mean, that'll be just fun popcorn flick. Um, yeah, what else is coming out? Like, mm, well, what, Orient Express is November, right? So that's not that far away. Can't wait. Yeah, that Can't wait. that's going to be amazing. Corner. Um, When's Justice League November also? Yeah. It's you know what else is sooner than I thought? Freaking Runaways. Yeah, like, it is. Like, what? They just I didn't know it was this year. Yeah. That was next year. It's November, yeah. Damn, yeah, that's awesome. I know. That trailer just dropped, and that yeah. looks pretty cool. Yeah, so for me, happy Death Day. Um, I'm obviously going to be watching Mr. Robot. When oh, that's right. Yeah. Real is it this soon. month? Yeah, I think next okay. week, maybe. Yeah. Real soon. Um, so we'll see uh, if he jumps the shark like yep. real bad or makes it actually as good as the first yeah. season again. Arrowverse stuff also returns this week. So Does it? Yeah, oh my yeah, god. Yeah. Well now you you have what, four yeah. hours a week? Yeah, I mean just a little. Yeah. Of shit to watch. Oh yeah. Alright. Well hey, on that note, um where can they find us? You can find me at Rich Lapore on Twitter. Yep, you can find me at KW Shafe and um other places on the internet, ultimatecomics.com, SMANewsToday.com. Um you can find us on the joyofgeek.net and Facebook and Twitter and then the podcast you can find on Podbean, iTunes, um on the website as well. Beautiful. Uh, On that note, I'm Rich Lepore. Kevin Shaver. And we'll see you later.